and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, South Stan Chum, the bearded legend, father-to-be, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed, everybody. Hello and welcome back. This is episode number 143, and this is our season finale, and we're going to take a look back at the highs and the many lows of the 2017-18 season. We aren't alone uh, in this podcast, so let's introduce... Introduce, sorry, our guest panel. Delighted to welcome back former CEO and current Orient Director. To my left, Mr. Matthew Porter. Welcome back. Uh, and also to my right, making his hat trick appearance this season. We haven't got a football or anything like that for you, or a medal or anything. <laughs> Assistant Manager Ross Hamilton. Welcome back uh, to you as well. Mug last time, so yes, that's very true. Yes, maybe a bit premature, but wonderful to have you fellas uh, on the podcast this evening to review the season. But as always. We'll kick off with the Supporters Club update and we do have an update as the Supporters Club will be open to show the England matches in the upcoming World Cup. So when England are playing and you've got nowhere to go, get yourself down to Supporters Club. They'll be open on the 18th of June as England play Tunisia. The match kicks off at 7pm and the Supporters Club will be open from half past five. And on Sunday the 24th of June as England play Panama, this one's a 1pm kickoff. The Supporters Club opens at 11.30am. And then the big one on Thursday the 28th of June as England play Belgium. Kick off at 7 pm and the supports club open from half past five. So, if you want to spend the evening <coughs> with your Orient pals and your chums, get yourselves down there as I'm sure hopefully you'll be seeing an England victory. All being well, and it doesn't say what time it closes, so it could be a bit of a late one, especially on that Sunday. Um, moving on then, uh, the final uh, Lake Orient Trust update for this season uh, says a shout out to Churchfields Primary School, whose boys' team represented Lake Orient at the National League Boys' Cup hosted at Boreham Wood on April the 24th with a chance to play at Wembley in the national final. Unfortunately, a defeat in the semi-final, losing out on penalties to the team representing Dagenham and Redbridge ended Leo's hopes for another year. However, the standard was extremely high and the school should be extremely proud. The winners on the day were the school from Dartford and we wish them well against their northern counterparts. Yeah, then on Thursday, they're 26. Alex Lawless paid a visit to the score centre 3G to meet up once again with coping through football project service users and staff. Alex has been the ambassador for the project this season and his support has been greatly appreciated. And as such, Alex was awarded the Trust Community Player of the Year trophy. That, that was at the Starman. It was and indeed. It was a great evening. Yeah, work with local schools continues to expand and both Oakdale Junior and Selwyn Primary have been to the Matchroom Stadium recently, learning about the history of the club and taking in a tour of the West Stand and pitch side. Yep, and then on Thursday, the 3rd of May, the club handed over the pitch to the Trust for a full day of activities Eight local primary schools arrived at 9.30am for an exciting tournament with St Joseph's taking the honours for the girls and Chase Lane for the boys. Then at 11.30, the walking footballers took their place with a four-team tournament and 29 participants. The Diversity Hub was in use on completion of the games for a well-earned cup of tea and socialising. And at 2pm, the coping through football project arrived for a now annual match on the pitch. And due to numbers and abilities, the full pitch game gives as many service users as possible the chance to experience playing at the stadium. And for the final 20 minutes, it was 16 aside. A full but fantastic day spreading across the community. Absolutely. And finally, a huge thank you to the podcast for their continued support and always positive feedback. Roll on next season. I think, I think it's fair to say the, you know, the, the community uh, and the trust projects that they have are extremely well received certainly by the players they buy into it quite a bit don't they yeah I think they've been um, really supportive this season when you look at I think the um, when the award was given out to Alex Lawless people were full of praise with the amount of time that extra time I suppose that he'd given up and their dedication to making sure that they fulfil something that they're obliged to do but when you hear that 
players like Alex and that are going, going that little bit further, it's obviously nice to see. I think the key thing is it shows the club's reconnecting with the community at all levels, you know, which is something was important to us to do this year after what, what had happened. So, um, you know, the players have been thoroughly professional and, you know, special word for Howard Gould as well, who manages that side of the club's activities with a lot of care and attention and, um, and dedication. So, um, yeah, I think Alex, in his acceptance speech, was complimentary of, it, of the rest of the teammates as well, and, and yeah. everybody's really bought into the concept, which is important. That comes from the top as well, you know, from Nigel and Ken all the way through down to, to Justin and, and Ross, who are, you know, making sure that everybody understands the importance of those sort of appearances to the whole club. And it's something that we've been quite strong with, even under your tenure as CEO. It's something that you yeah, press quite heavily. We we um. We, we we took a position on it because we didn't we weren't doing enough you know so that was why I brought Howard in and why um, you know we, we basically changed the culture um, and that couldn't have been done with an old-fashioned approach that had to be you know a modern approach that was embraced and, and probably you know Martin Ling and Russell Slade were the two really really bought into that um, and it probably wasn't a coincidence that those approaches coincided with periods of success on the pitch as well because it just shows some unity and togetherness throughout the club. And you never saw the same players all the time going out. There's always a variation, so everyone obviously took their responsibility quite seriously as yeah, well. Yeah, very much. I mean, like Matt, Matt said there, what, what Howard does, he's, you know, he's, you know shouldn't, shouldn't be sold short in any way, shape or form. He's at the training ground once a week. So he's not just, you know, I think at some clubs, he, that person turns up every now and again and he's the one dragging the players out, not kicking and screaming, but, you know, dragging them out to their appearances, whereas Howard's there and he builds his relationships with everybody. You know, myself and Justin first and foremost and then because he's around and he's a familiar face I think the boys get comfortable with him and then you know when he when he leads them into the into the community as he does it's you know it's a little bit more familiar and a little bit more you know of an environment that they're comfortable with. One thing Howard does that's really um, really appropriate and, and makes sure that the scheme's successful is he, he talks to the players about what they would enjoy doing you know not everybody's comfortable going to a school or a hospice or you know, seeing certain, you know, doing certain activities. Um, so Howard speaks to them and engages with them. And because of that, the players then enjoy more the appearances they're making because there's something that they can relate to. You know, maybe they've got an elderly relative or they know people with, you know, certain certain strands of the community. So they can, um, you know, they can relate to it themselves and, uh, and, and it becomes a two-way street then. Yeah, fantastic work Brilliant. by the Trust. And every week when we mention it, it's staggering how much they get out there. And the job they all do it really for the club. Is. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on then, we've got four points of any other business. Uh, David Sears messaged us to say his best mate and South Stand chum, Dave Thompson, is getting married over the summer. And best of luck from all his O's pals, Searsy, Jerry, Jason, Joe, John. Plus, we'd like to say a huge thank you for mucking up our day out to Gateshead, buying us all senior citizen tickets wasn't your finest moment. Having to wear the Our Love Tiny Cox Forever in our day out in London was an apt punishment though. Uh, we all wish you the best of luck as you enter married life and remember Emily will always be right and that goes for us as well. We hope you enjoy your big day. Yeah, some great advice then. And Moving on in, congratulations to Peter Gill and his under 18 side who won the Merritt League yeah. 2 Championship as they beat Plymouth 3-1 on Saturday uh, with two goals from Hector Kiprianu and one from Amin Bella Youssef. That Bella Youssef goal, I don't know if you guys have seen it, it was absolutely was ridiculous. Yeah, he's a talented boy. Um, he's I don't know if you've seen him, but he's tiny in terms of his stature. Very similar uh, to the lad at Walsall, Otzuma, in terms yeah. of the size yeah, that he Otzuma, is. Yeah. Um, he's certainly a talented boy, and he's you know he's got a bright future if he can apply himself in 
without giving away too many secrets, but apply himself in the ways that, that the coaching staff have, have discussed with him so far this season. I think the other boy there, Hector Kipriano, who, um, who's got the other two goals, has been involved in and around the first team of late. So um, obviously, obviously finished the season strong yeah. and, and, and come good towards the end. It was, um, I mean, it's nice and to celebrate the fact that they've uh, they've won that merit league. Um, and, and they need a big pat on the back for that because they started the season slow. It's a big group of first years, so a very young group of players. Took them a bit of time to get used to youth team football, and hopefully next year they can turn that even further forward and and, and look to um, you know to, to finish in the top half of the league and, and push for the for the bigger one if you like. Yeah, they are two names that keep cropping up every week that we're reading out the youth result and, and the goal scorers. Um, obviously now that some of the others have moved on it gives the others a chance to come through so Hector and, and, uh, and Amin are, yeah. are very familiar names to us yeah. um, yeah. he also yeah. played and he made his debut didn't he he got, yeah. got about half Charles, hour yeah. done quite well so yeah, I thought stuff. he was excellent when he came on actually but um, yeah happy anniversary to Janine and Dennis Adelman who celebrated their anniversary on the 6th of May and then lastly I alluded to it at the start of the podcast but my bearded legend Southdown Chum will become a father in the summer, so lots of change upcoming uh, in the podcast. Hopefully before the season starts. You Hopefully. don't know what's going to hit you. <laughs> He's got no idea. It's not like no, no idea. Welcome to my world 14 months ago. It was going to be easy. Never, never. So let's move on then with our season roundup. Thanks for all the support. That's really appreciated from the three other dads around the table. Uh, fair to say it was a summer of change for the uh, better at Orient as Nigel yeah. Travis and Kent Teague finally purchased the club. Um, we as we said before we kicked off that we weren't going to talk about this, but just very very quickly, you pushed the button on the announcement. That was your first job. Wasn't was it? Your first yeah, it was. Job. yeah, 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 yeah. There, well, there wasn't really much infrastructure around, so <laughs> I think Lindsay managed to find me a password from somewhere and we got it out. So amazing yeah. that's well, June love, love the 22nd it. at 4.45 that was it it's a day that's etched in my memory if I was a tattoo Sounds guy good. I'd absolutely <laughs> get that tattooed on my body somewhere but I'm not a tattoo guy but um, yeah so yeah and then Ross you came in obviously through the Martin Ling connection yeah yeah not so long afterwards um, obviously exciting to know that the club was being taken over and, and you know getting getting the feet back on the ground and, uh, and then I was obviously delighted once Martin was appointed and then you know, we spoke about what was going to or what potentially could happen so I sort of come in to help for the first few days really just to give Martin some support and, and try and get a few little bits and pieces organised and then obviously things evolved in terms of the role that I was going to be taking on obviously I was delighted with that and I yeah. think the live show we've done with Ryan Hour, I think Nigel mentioned what a good what a fantastic job Martin Link has done so obviously he comes in and there's barely any players Nothing I think, um, I think eight or nine with that youth. um you know, Matt's already mentioned what a, what an impact Martin had with regards to the community element of the club. But I think sometimes when you're in that role of director of football, everyone thinks that what you do is pick the manager and pick the players, and then you sit with your feet up for the rest of the time. Yeah. Martin's not like that at all. I think Matt would probably agree with me that the way that Martin is supports Justin in terms of the way that he works every day and takes a huge burden off of Justin so that he can prioritise the football. And then the type of character and the type of person that Martin is in and around the office, because he spends a lot of the time, you know, not just at the training ground, but in and around the offices, the impact that he has on the staff there and the way that he you know, keeps morale going and, and supports the, the running of the, of the stadium and the people that are, that are based there every day. So I think not just what Martin did with regards to recruiting players and, and, and bringing people into 
to try and stabilise the football club. He, he, what he does and the worth that he brings goes a hell of a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, than that. one thing I'd add is you, you can't underestimate the importance of pre-season and of planning for the new season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had very little opportunity to do that, really. It was a, a matter of a few days. We almost lost the training ground. We didn't have anybody. Um, you know, I think Ross came in and had, you know, half a dozen players to coach, none of yeah. whom were out, out of their teams. You know, we had, a, we had to arrange some friendlies. We had to... Um, get uh, a coaching staff and a medical support staff up and running. We had to find a manager. Um, we had to do everything, and Martin led that. At the time, we didn't have a CEO. Marshall Taylor came in very much in a in a business sense to to basically keep the club going as a business, um, literally as a business, because it was in, you know completely insolvent and, and on its knees. So somebody had to focus on the football side of it, and and somebody had to focus on the business side of it. And Marshall and Martin was a really good combination for those first three months. I actually think get, getting us to feel the team at Sutton on the first day of the season, I'm not exaggerating, is one of the best achievements that, that I can remember in the club's like last recent years because there was nothing there at all. You know? And teams that are successful, it's not a coincidence that they're teams that have got settled squads who have strong pre-seasons. Mm. You, know, you, start, you don't sign players... Now, you sign them in February, you know, you start approaching them and you speak to their agents and you know who they are and they might not do the paperwork and get announced, but don't worry about that. It doesn't mean that they haven't been identified and approached and things like that. So there was, there was very little of that going on because we had no, no certainty. So everything was thrown together and I think Martin signed something like 11 or 12 players in, in quick succession and of those, the vast majority will still be in our squad for next season. You know, there's only a couple that have that have fallen by the wayside or haven't made thirty odd appearances this year, and so that success rate was 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 really good. I think, yeah, I think the, the, to put it into perspective as well, like Matt says, they're the planning that goes ahead. Like with our, our pre-season is now almost confirmed in terms of what not necessarily the games that we play, but how we train, when we train, what we're going to do day to day through that six-week period is something that we're planning now. We had to cram that into, like Matt said, two or three days. I remember sitting down with some of the staff that were that were still around or, or that were gonna that were gonna be staying on, and we didn't even know where the speaker was to do the bleep test. Do you know what I mean? Because so many things had gone missing. So you talk about all the things that we're trying to prepare for now. It, it seems a million miles away. And I, like, like going back to the original point, I think Martin and Marshall done a fantastic job to put all of that together. Amazing work. Yeah, amazing it's, work. it's not underestimated, and it's been said quite a few times by sort of even Kent and Nigel that there's no bank accounts. Yeah, enough. Uh, Nigel yeah. had to pay staff wages, etc., mm. etc. Et it's bereft of anything. It was literally mm. a shell that they'd inherited. So you mentioned Sutton, <coughs> so getting a team at Sutton. So that was the first game of the season. The BT cameras were out. Expectations, I guess, were high among the fan base, probably unrealistically, and it didn't go as planned. Which mine a, was, yeah. Yeah, mine as well, I would have to say. He's done it, took a 2 0 defeat, so. Not the ideal start on the pitch, but like you said, we fielded a team mm. and we were just a about yeah. But we, we were up and active, and we were we were going, and we were at a game. So I think that speaks volumes for itself. So I think if anyone thought the national league <coughs> would walk over, I think after that ninety minutes at Sutton, I think it was pretty clear that it wasn't going to be a walkover. Yeah, it was a bit of a rude awakening that, and it was followed by a much better performance though at home to Solihull, where a three-one win saw us. Uh, register our first points on the board Charlie Lee scored our first goal of the season and David Mooney scored on his return to Brisbane Road which was followed by another home win this time Maidstone United were beaten 2-0 with goals from David Mooney and the missing man Romuald Bocco so good start there six points from nine I guess everyone must have been delighted at the club so it's not going to a decent start yeah. what we've just said yeah I mean it, it was 
it was what, what you alluded to there, people thought it was going to be a walkover. The hardest part of this season, don't worry about the games on an individual basis, the hardest part of this season has been the mentality issue of Leighton Orient being a national league club. Yeah. That is the hardest thing for everybody to get their heads around, including the players, including the staff, including the fans, because it's something we've never, ever experienced before. And it's exactly like when Leeds and Sheffield Wednesday and Knox Forest and Norwich and all them teams used to come to Brisbane Road and they were massive and we were little and wasn't it fun when we used to beat them and yes. stuff like that. So what do you think it's like when we play Geisley and Maidenhead yeah, and, and Boreham Wood who might be in the football league with an average crowd of 650? <laughs> you know, when we play those yeah, sort of teams, it's true. exactly the same scenario. I remember the Geisley players taking selfies on the pitch. I think, you know? I think there hasn't been a game, I'm normally setting up when the other, for a warm-up when the other team arrive, and there hasn't been a game where someone doesn't walk out on the pitch filming the stadium or you know doing some sort of social media type mm. thing related to them preparing for a game at, at Leighton Orient and obviously before every game that we play we, we do a lot of analysis on the opposition and I actually to go into games and watching games in preparation for, for who we're about to play next I find it surreal to watch because whenever I'm at a stadium there's a lot of people there um, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of atmosphere, there's a lot of energy from the opposition, whether we be at home or, or away. So when I watch the other games, I went to Macclesfield, Boreham Wood just before the end of the season, and I couldn't believe how low-key the game was. Macclesfield were a game away from winning the league, Boreham Wood were in the playoffs, and I couldn't believe how reserved the whole atmosphere was. And then when the game kicked off, it was a little bit like that as well. Um, so it's you know, a big thing that... We've all had to overcome, really, you know, what the game against Leighton Orient, being at, specifically when we're at home, what it means to the opposition. And I think you see that when, obviously, numerous occasions we've been, we've been beat at home, but you see the celebrations that go on like won a on cup the other final. side of the pitch. It really is. As well. It really is, and it that I don't think that was lost on a lot of people. Um, to be fair, um, but that match saw Nigel and Kent present for their first time. Um, together, and they were on the balcony, and both received quite fittingly a standing ovation. Yeah, really nice for what they've done. Really nice and emotional. <clears throat> we happened to be on the balcony as well by a complete fluke. <laughs> yeah, we really nice actually. Yeah. So really nice to see. So six points from nine, not bad. And then we made the trip to Bromley away. So again, most of those fans oh. would have looked at paper and gone, Bromley? Yeah, smashed that. But 90 minutes later, and a 6-1 defeat. Worst game I've ever seen. McCauley um, Bomb grabbed his first goal it's only positive and you done the post-match with Steve Davis who came out looking a bit shell-shocked if I remember I think correctly. he uh, absolutely shell-shocked I remember he puffed his cheeks out and he went oh, where did that come from because he didn't know what, what, what else can you say it was an appalling game we, we, you know, we let ourselves down unfortunately on that one I don't know if you want to no, I mean, add anything any, there's no way you can gloss over a 6-1 defeat I think we gave away some ridiculous goals um, albeit we came out at the start of the second half had one or two opportunities ourselves and could have almost got ourselves back in it but that's not by any means to say that we were going to go on and win the game it was a you know a day that I think everybody wants to forget to yeah first. yeah we've got it quite quickly went away to Woking beat them 2-0 so 9 for 15 McCauley Bond got a double at this point you're thinking this Bond fella <clears throat> might be pretty snazzy and we paid a fee for him which is reasonably unusual for our level and the level that he'd come from just throwing it out there I'm not asking what the fee was, but we paid a fee, which I thought was a bit unusual, considering he wasn't a first choice. Yeah. Or did we not? There was a financial arrangement for the transfer. What does that mean? It means to ask the next question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, we can't disclose about about transfer fees, but um, 
it wasn't as cut, it wasn't as clear cut as that, you know. Okay. Um, so it was there's a financial arrangement between ourselves and Colchester United for for the transfer of McCauley Bond. Okay. Fine. <laughs> Great. So that clears up that one. So with the game's coming thick and fast, and then we dealt a massive blow as Charlie Lee was ruled out for this season uh, before the Eastley game. So Charlie Lee didn't appear to really do much on the pitch, but obviously was running and pulling strings. One of those players who you might not think is that effective, but is really really effective. Looking at Charlie Lee after the injury. Um, I've said it before but I don't think anybody realises what type of character and what impact he has on the group day to day he's really good with the young pros he's really good with the young youth team players he's a big personality around the training ground and I think that day when he went down injured we all knew at the training ground that it was it was a bad one um, but I don't think any of us really realised how much of a character we were losing at that stage um, I'm sure you come on to the others in a minute but then collectively to lose the three that we did yeah. um, but because Charlie's one happened on its own I don't think anybody before the injury saw the real Charlie Lee in terms of the type of footballer he was I think it's probably one that not having a pre-season behind him wasn't fully fully fit and fully flying for the start of the season so no one really seen the, the, the quality of football that we had but I think the bigger thing that we did lose was, was his personality and it yeah. wasn't as if it was in a dangerous challenge or it wasn't even going, it was just it. he turned in training, didn't he? Yeah, the only no dangerous way. challenge he was involved in was that one on the maidenhead oh, last time. How he survived that, I don't know. And having come back from that injury, yeah. I'm like, what is he doing? But yeah, so he sustained that in training. It was a loosener. Oh my God. <laughs> we'll cover that later on, yeah. actually. You've just reminded yeah, well yeah. done. So easily game, ended up as a one-all draw. We conceded a penalty, Lawless got done. They scored a penalty, but we scored a 97th minute equaliser, Craig Clay, and that was it felt like a win. So even though it was a draw, morale was higher. Yeah, I think a so. A great moment, great stats. Sort of epitomised a little bit of where the league is in terms of you go a goal behind, especially at home teams, sit back and try and defend and run yeah. the clock down and ground stack. As a player, took me, I hate took him. Liberties, didn't he? And he got, he got, hate he him. got caught up with him. As a player, I'd <laughs> want him on my team for that reason. I'm great, sure he's a player. lovely bloke, but cannot stand him. His gamesmanship is appalling. But that's what he does for his team, and that's what that's what helped. Well, they finished below us, yeah. but it, uh, that's what kept them where they are. He knows that's when the national league game. Yeah, is, he does. That's what he's doing. And in really the season, aggravating. The month finished character. on a high. Winter Maidenhead got a good one away win. So August, pretty decent. Bond scoring, Dayton getting quite a few assists. We took a few thumpings, but on a three G pitch. And at this point, we were unbeaten on grass, so everything was wasn't looking too bad from mm-hmm. considering the, the start we had. Like you said, no real pre season, no established squad putting staff together so pretty decent August board quite happy with this very much this so yeah. yeah you know we, we, we were never uh, putting anybody under pressure to go out there and win the league you know we, we sort of thought we would be not, we wouldn't struggle yeah um, but yeah we were quite happy with yeah. that it was, it was solid and the crowd were buying into it so it was good yeah. lovely so then we move into September uh, we started in style really as we demolished Geisley 4-1 at home after going to goal down it was McCauley Bond who gave uh, us the, a 2-1 lead and at half time two strikes um, with two strikes from the penalty spot um, Matt Harold then came on for his debut and scored pretty much instantly before McCauley Bond made it a perfect day by latching onto a through ball and finishing Cooley for his hat-trick and the match ball yeah so it's probably the highest <clears throat> high of the season and we're going to get a bit low for the next couple of minutes so bear with <clears> us so <throat> slide starts with a 2 away defeat to Bromwood uh, pretty poor performance I think you were down there but I think you've alluded yeah. to it already that game yeah. was Pivotal to the season as we lost Josh Coulson to an injury and also George Kobe, So In the same match as well. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. I was at the away end, obviously. I was in the seats and I 
watch one go down and then the other one went, mm. went down after and then having lost Charlie Lee as well you're talking mm. a spine of a team effectively yeah I think anybody would struggle under <clears throat> you know, losing losing three important players like that we were very poor that day um, I thought Boreham were quite good to be honest I thought mm. they mm. They uh, set up well against us and um, got some pace. Yeah, a lot of pace. Yeah, and and then and then you know, like I say, on top of the defeat, the, the biggest biggest part of that is the fact that we lost those two. Again, the the we all know what type of players they are and how important they are. And I think the statistics show that when they're in the team, in comparison to when they're not, the the, the points tally is is a huge difference. Um, but a lot of that is down to their personalities. Sometimes we, everyone sees it, but sometimes when George isn't on the pitch the stadium actually seems quiet I know that sounds silly but his personality and the type the way he is even if he's not having a great game he, he, he just sort of has that presence and that effect and personality on the rest of the group I think that the National League's successful teams in recent years have been teams with experience teams with characters you know and you look in between Lee Coulson and Kobe, I'm going <coughs> to guess somewhere around 1100 1200 professional football matches that you're taking out of you know yeah. experience that yeah. you're taking out of the team and when you're having to replace it, because we didn't have a huge amount of strength in depth, when you're replacing it with young players, and I'm not criticising the young players because those that have played this year have been outstanding, um, but you're replacing it with those and low knees who you know, are always going to be a bit hit and miss, then it's very, very difficult to keep that momentum going and to, to keep any sort of continuity, I think. And with the young boys as well, I think it's important is that to remember that although they played last year, they played in a losing team more time more often than not. So yeah, for yeah. them to all of a sudden be back in a team again, and you know I'm sure you're going to come to it in a minute, to, to be in a team that's you know, struggling and needing that little bit of leadership to look around and the three that they might expect to be helping them through it are all sitting on the sitting yeah, on the sideline yeah, waiting yeah, for yeah. them to do it. So. Yeah. yeah, tough. <clears throat> but then we followed up with two home games where we needed a response. First up... Halifax Town on Tuesday night and we got battered 3-0 in what was a very worrying performance with very poor defending and we couldn't cope with their huge frontman Tom Denton or their little winger Matty Kisolo. I remember looking at Denton <coughs> thinking this guy is, is going to do nothing and he won every every long ball he won he won about 95% I was sitting there stunned I think that was the evening where I thought this is going to be really really tough so I, we think, were in the press box, um, I think we? it's important to mention and a lot of people forget about in that game we should have been 2-0 up after about 8 minutes Matt Harold missed the header from about 4 yards yeah, and then yeah. Romy Bocco had a chance from about 5 or 6 yards that he put over the bar and whatever anyone says if, if them two chances go in it's a completely different game yeah. I don't know if, you, if, if Denton has the same effect at the same time he's playing in a uh, playing as a <coughs> centre forward against Michael Clark and Jamie Sanders White, I think for, for 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 the pair of them, it was the first time they'd played together, but then also the first time they played together in the National League. So, sound like excuses, and I'm not making no, no, excuses. However, yeah. at the same time, the, the game should should have been different after the start to the game that we had. So, you're right, the defending was poor on the night, but at the same time, we missed yeah, two yeah, fantastic chances. Remember those, and then that was followed up by Hartlepool at home. So the BT Sport cameras were back at Brisbane Road, and we went one up. Fairly early, I think Mackinac got onto a rebound and we had a pretty decent first half, but two long balls into our box, I think either side of half time saw a two one defeat and the pressure starting to build, I think, on Steve Davis. Yeah, forty four and forty seven, wasn't it? The yeah, either side. Thinking. I think we went through a habit of conceding straight we did, after half time. Conceding, yeah. Perhaps in concentration. Or again, lack of experience, you know, to keep switched on at those times when you might otherwise take a bit of time to warm up, you've got to be on it from the first whistle, yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, so up next was Aldershot away um, with us really needing a big performance, 30 minutes, uh, within 30 minutes and more awful defending, we were 2-0 down and then we started playing, Craig Clay pulled a goal back and we were unlucky not to go in at 2-2 before a late Romney Bocco equaliser saw us nick a deserved point. Now I've not been Craig Clay's biggest fan or his supporter this season, I've watched him quite closely and I've disappointed with what I've seen, but he scored some crucial goals for us. Yeah, yes, I think... Um... Craig's one of them players that you learn to respect a little bit more the more you work with him. He does a lot of um, of the unfashionable things. He does a lot of the things that this league needs. He makes tackles, he, he makes blocks, he gets forward, he tracks back, he can play as a holding midfield player, he can play as a little bit more of a traditional midfield player in terms of getting box to box and, and, and he, he has contributed with one or two goals. He's quite a danger from set pieces, he's good at defending set pieces very rarely does he does he lose his man so I think he does a lot of the unsung things that people miss and then when you work with him you realise how important he is um, we had a slow start to the season because Charlie and Craig were in the team for the first four or five games and then you know like I say he breaks into the team because he doesn't do all the all singing all dancing things all the time I think he goes a little bit unnoticed yeah I think he's been a bit harshly treated by some sections of the fan base to be honest with you I think he's a useful player for us he breaks up the opposition as Ross said does a lot of the, he's, look. He's not a flair player. He's not a brophy. He's not a date, and he's not a mac enough. But you know, somebody's yeah. got. What's that, what's that phrase? Someone's got to be the water carrier. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Um, You can't all be be doing the nice. Can't be superstars. He's also yeah. won the league as well. He's also yeah. won. He's been successful yeah. in this league, so he knows you know what it takes to survive in the league and, and be successful. And played so. in the SPL. Yeah. You know, you don't do that by chance. Forty games he played for Motherwell two yeah. years ago. Yeah. He's a good pro. He does everything properly. He lives right. He you know he treats he. he, he he prepares himself properly. Everything he does goes towards him being a good professional. So the month finished with the visit of AFC Fylde, who had a striker in form of Danny Rowe. He firstly smashed a free kick into the top corner. I think that surprised all of us when we were there. And again, it's one of those where you look at the fixture list and you're like, AFC Fylde, yeah, I've smashed them without even knowing anything about it. And then in the second half, he picks the ball about 45 yards out. And yeah. It was an absolute stunner. And we lost 2-0. Um, yeah. Two good, two good goals. The first one, first one was a really, really good strike yeah. from a coach's perspective. Disappointed because it went through the wall. Through the wall yeah. um, and then the second one, I think personally, I think he'd admit it himself. I think Charlie Granger should have saved it. But um, yeah, you, you could obviously clearly see on the day that he was going to be one of those at the top end of the goal scoring mm-hmm. charts. And he is, along with Bruno Andrade, who uh, is at Boreham Wood, one of their, yeah. one of their key players as well. Yeah, so that brings September to an end. So a difficult September. So October, having not won in a few games, pressure was starting to mount. Um, and could the FA Cup bring a welcome distraction for our league heroes? So first up was a midweek trip to Birkenhead via pit stop at Liverpool's training ground, which was good. So obviously that was done through Nigel. I take it a great experience for players. There can't be many National League teams you get to train. No, Nigel's got a really good relationship with Liverpool. Um, you know, Dunkin' Donuts are a, a major sponsor of theirs, and he has a close relationship with people on their their commercial side. So that you know can be handy on occasions, and that was one of them. I think we got Alex Inglethorpe is there as well. He is. Yeah. He's got good good connections with the club, so he was somebody that helped us out on that occasion. Mo Salah's always had a soft spot for us as well. Is yeah, yeah. 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 watching him as well. Yeah, okay. You heard it. Criticising You heard it here first. Just for the record, <laughs> you heard that it was first. the longest four days of my life. Tranmere to uh, the Barrow games because we, we were on you the telly on Wednesday right? we stayed up for four right, yeah. days. It was... 
I never, I felt like I ate lasagna for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Really? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. By the end, of the time we come home. Was that one of them? It seemed like a good idea at the time. At the time. Yeah, they're both up north, we'll stay up yeah. there for a few days. By the time it gets to Monday <laughs> afternoon, yeah. you're like, oh, well, I think we did it once before, maybe like somewhere like Scunthorpe and Notts County back to back or yeah. something like that, and everybody was just going stir crazy. It <laughs> came round again this year for us to do it a Saturday to yeah. Tuesday or something, and, and as soon as it did, everyone just. That, that was the Chester, was it Halifax Chester or something, yeah, like, something that? like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 One of them ones, yeah. yeah. Or filed Halifax, yeah. yeah. So the BT cameras were out again for this one. We took an early lead away at Tram. I think Harold got the goal, but we succumbed to a 2 1 defeat. I think their second goal, if I remember rightly, was a bit of a deflected cross and it fell into their man's path. So we were quite unlucky there against one of the favourites to go up in the league. Yeah, a rainy day, wasn't it? Terrible yeah, weather. Conditions. We missed really a couple bad. of good chances that night as well, but. Disappointing. Yeah, and as you say, we worked our way around the motorway system um, to our furthest league uh, fixture, which is at Barrow. Uh, and again, we took the lead through Dave Mooney, and then Craig Clay restored our lead after Barrow uh, had equalised. So again, Craig Clay popping up with an important goal to get us back in the game there. But the game ended 2 all. An interesting uh, point to make here is that we started with a back three rather than a back four uh, in that game. So obviously during pre-season, you would try these different formations out, but with a lack of pre-season, I'm assuming this is a bit of, well, that's not working, so let's try something a bit different. Yeah, a little bit. Certainly part of that. I think the injuries, the fact that, like you've just said there, the form wasn't great, the, the results hadn't gone our way. So you tried to find a bit of a different formula. Um, Jamie Sender was white. He's a very good footballer. Um, probably didn't adjust to the league in the way that he would have hoped, especially certainly as we would have hoped as well. But... The, a lot of the plan that day was to try and see if we could get Jamie on the ball a little bit more. You know, obviously we played a little bit different when when Steve was here, but to try and get Jamie on the ball to you know from from, from deep areas. I think if I'm right in thinking, Mark Ellis played that day. I yeah. think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and Joe Widdison would have been the other centre half. So right. yes, you're, the answer to your question is yeah, we would have tried those things, but and then at the same time, I think some of it because we were, you know things weren't going particularly well on the pitch. Steve certainly wanted to try and try and find an alternative. Yeah, so decent point there away at Barron and it was the FA Cup qualifying round as we made the short journey away at Dagenham and Redbridge got a pretty useful nil-nil draw so they came back to Brisbane Road on the Tuesday and we beat them uh, 1-0 with McCauley Bond getting the goal and I remember that was a really good strong defensive performance and yeah. I think we all kind of thought maybe the tide was turning there. Michael Clark made an unbelievable yeah. block yeah. right in the last yeah. minute Yeah, yeah I, think, I think you're right I think it was encouraging display. I think they were a different Dagenham and Redbridge to the one that finished the season as well. Then I remember playing them away from home and looked at people like Morgan Ferrier up front and they looked a, a typical John Steele team, but mm. a team that were going to be a, you know, a big one in the in, in the league. Obviously, it didn't turn out to be like that, so it was encouraging to get that result at home. It was a bit of a, I think it was quite important um, for Steve as well that because it was a good result for the fans. It was a good result for the club. We won some prize money. Bit of, bit of pride as well. You don't want to not be in the first round draw of the FA Cup. Um, and probably it was around then that we were maybe starting to wonder. Steve's plan A was fine. You know, the start of the season, the first eight, nine games when we were second in the league, that was all That was all fine. Mm. We'd, we had some adversity with the long-term injuries. We'd brought in a couple of players from on loan like Mark Ellis. Um, you know, Jamie Sendles White had come back from a long, long, almost career-ruining injury, which is very tough for anybody. And we were having to rely on a little bit of square pegging round hole situation and it was how that was being dealt with, you know. So that, that did, um, 
I wouldn't say he was on the verge of leaving us at that time, but that certainly did buy him a little bit of goodwill, that, that, that win over Dagenham. Yeah, and gave him a bit of breathing space yeah. um, to carry on. So then we had the league leaders, Macclesfield. They were next up at Brisbane Road, and not for the first time. We saw a lapse in our defensive concentration, which allowed Macclesfield to score the only goal of the game and walk away with all three points, despite our best efforts to try and recover a point. Yeah, that was a decent performance there. I think Macclesfield were just... A well drilled yeah. team and exactly where yeah, we wanted right. to be. We were good in the first half and then did struggle to break them down in the second half. Jack, I think Jake Cabrice switched off at the far post for them to score. Was it just before? It half was just time, before half time again. Yeah. yeah, and and then became a game. I think that we've seen on a number of occasions at home where a team sits off and and doesn't show a great deal of ambition to go and try and get a second and and frustrate and try and <clears throat> try and silence the crowd a little bit. So it was a it was a another similar performance really yeah and I think at this point I think we felt in the crowd that the pressure was starting to be on Steve a bit and we had Gateshead uh, on the Tuesday night after that and that was a disappointing performance I think we lost that 2-0 I think they got an early goal and then they grabbed a late one due to a defensive error um, and I think at this point you're sitting in the stands going I think he might be going here I mean what was that like from a board perspective obviously it you've got a bit of time it from... wasn't great look you, you always have a thing as, as a board you always want to win your home games You've got to keep the majority of your fans happy. And it's great to go away from home and smash someone 4-0, but if there's only 150 away fans there, they've really got to shout about it to everybody else to make sure they know about yeah. it. You need to win your home games. You know? So when we started having a poor run at home, um, and a poor run where we're not scoring goals, you know, if you lose 3-2, 4-3, you know, and you say, well, we had a couple of defensive injuries, but um, we relied heavily on McCauley for goals all season. So when we were not scoring, it was difficult you know, to, to, to keep everybody positive and um, and as you said earlier you know the, the reality was starting to set in that we were a National League club and not just visiting for a year Yeah I mean Ross I think that evening I think Steve tried to change it up quite a few times during the first half and I think from a fan's perspective you sit back going I'm not sure what's going on here if Bond ended up, ended up on the right midfield at one point or right wing and we're going what's going on Yeah I think um, it, it was a little bit like that there was a number of players that played out of position that day I think might be Right, I'm thinking that James Brophy played uh, left, back. left wing back and left, left wing back, back and then in midfield and and I think the same for Jake Caprice on the other side. He was at right back and then he played right right wing. I think it was, um, you know, in Steve's defence, I think it was him searching for a solution for yeah. the situation yeah, and the time that we were in. Fair point and uh, and I think, point. you know, because of, cause I was involved in that, you look back at those experiences and try to find a solution as to why it is and I think when you're that person that was in Steve's position standing there watching that game you're rather than sort of going back to what you know or what you think the players are and keeping things simple you try to find a solution there and then and it, the more you chop and change it the more confusion it causes in you know for, for, for players but believe me it's a difficult feeling at that time when it yeah, you know, feels yeah. like it's running away from you. And for you, because that's not something that you can control, you must have felt a bit sort of powerless or a little bit... Yeah, and what it, you want, because what you want... Him, isn't it? Ultimately it is, yeah, that's yeah. right. But at the same time, I'm, you know, I'm employed to help that person, so you want to try and help that person as much as possible, but pressure does some crazy things to people. So whatever I'm trying to say, whether it's right, wrong or, you know, or something else, it's trying to, trying to get that 
message across and then for him to be able to rationalise it and deliver it as a until you're standing in that position it's quite difficult to explain you know I think it's worth mentioning as well we're fortunate thanks to Charlie and and, and Elliot to have um, sort of post-match access and we could just see his demeanour although he was always quite composed you could just sense that there was sort of weight on his shoulders that wasn't lifting as much as what you would have hoped it would and I felt sorry for him because he's a really nice guy Mm. Um, and what he was trying, he was tinkering, and it, it just ended up, I think, causing more harm than and creating more problems than it actually solved, and the good that it did, unfortunately. Um, yeah, um, but in that game, we just made a note about David Mooney's chance when he was just around the edge of the yeah. six yard box and he just couldn't get the ball out from under his feet, and the keeper came yeah, out. And, keeper's yeah, yeah, again, yeah. fine margins, like you said, the Halifax game, there's quite a few where. We weren't having the luck really. We miss like quite. Yeah, I think not having the luck. I think the players feeling the pressure. I think um, lack of you know lack of composure or lack of quality sometimes it ends up in in people not taking their chances, which is you know from everyone's perspective a you know a difficult situation to be in because on you know, nine times out of ten, I'm sure Moon's Moon yeah. finishes that without without even thinking about it. But the problem is, is he probably was over analysing, overthinking it a little bit. Lack of confidence, and you know, and it ends up in a goalkeeper's hands. So, moving on from Gateshead, busy October ended with an international away day at Wrexham. Got off to a horrendous start as Wrexham took the lead uh, before someone had even taken their seats. A real early blow there. Uh, and then Bond equalised with a cross come shot. I'm sure he'll tell you he placed that in the top <laughs> corner, whether he meant that or not. It was a that, was a, that was definitely <laughs> a class of cross come shot. I'm sure he meant to cross it, but actually, it turned into a shot. We didn't even know it had gone in on the dugout from where it was I think it was quite sunny that, that you couldn't see from a certain angle and it ended up in the goal and it was like a delayed if there had been a camera on the goal and the and the dugout at the time it would have been, been a bit surreal watching it. Yeah, the, the reaction was like delayed because we just we didn't pick the ball out and couldn't see it go in because it literally hit the top corner yeah it really yeah, hit yeah. the sort of pulled his arms away from it I don't know if you remember he pulled his arms down as it went over his head it was a bit surreal really so, good goal there from Barnley. Rex and we took the lead and then on loan, Mark Ellis rescued the point with a header. So, again, poor home performance followed up with a decent away point. At it was, it was a good performance that day against the Wrexham team that were really flying high. Yeah, yeah. Good, to be it? fair as well, Mark Ellis didn't have a very good loan spell with us. That was one hell of a header he scored. Yeah. 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 With his mask on as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I thought, you know, that again, you know, when you talk about, when, when you're looking at the situation, should we make a change? You know, again... A performance like that does buy you a little bit of credit, but it's got to be followed up at home. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Which probably leads you on to your next point. Absolutely. So <laughs> now we go into November. Then. So less congested month for us to end, as we started off with an FA Cup away match at Gillingham. So welcome distraction from the league, and no surprises. Two divisions now. The difference between Gillingham and Orient. Um, we created good chances, but couldn't put any away. And Gillingham ended up winning the game two one. I think they were two updates and got one back. We played really well, and again. Lead there going well, really good performance, really spirited. Considering they're two leagues above us as well. And I would go as far as to say that they started the game really well, they had a lot of energy and a lot of legs, and I think you could see the difference in the physical levels of, of the, the two sets of players <coughs> in terms of what they had when they never had the ball, Julian and But I thought in the second half, I'm not sure if you were there, Matt, but the, the second half that day was as good a performance as we put in when Steve was here. I know a lot mm. of people would say, oh, yeah, you know, it, 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 yeah. it didn't go particularly well for him, but. We started the season fairly strong, but that, that second half performance, um, I don't know if you remember, Joe Widdison got sent off quite mm. unfairly. Um, the goal that, uh, 
the big centre forward score when he pulled Jamie down to the that floor. Was we right, thought it was yeah. a little bit harshly treated. Um, and yeah. then and then we we missed a number of good chances in the second half. But I thought that was probably up there with the best performances that we that we had. Under, under Steve Star was to play football. It wasn't any of this national well, league. Recruit. It was more league. Yeah. It was league football that yeah. Steve wanted to back, us yeah. to play, and going to Gillingham, I actually quite thought I actually thought that we might actually maybe cause an upset in yeah. the FA Cup. I thought it was one of those games that actually we got a pretty good chance of winning, despite being yeah. two leagues, forty odd places, you know, behind them, whatever it is. Um, but I think two things worth pointing out here. Yeah, as you just said, playing good football, creating lots of chances, but just weren't being clinical enough. No, very um, much so. I think if you time. look at, I know we'll probably come on to it later when you talk about Macca, but you look at Macca's goals that he scored this season and then you look at his closest competitor in our in our squad, he's, I think, six Million goals. Ahead, yeah. Yeah. Six goals yeah. So that shows you that, yeah. you know, we've got a very, very good centre-forward that's, you know, that's, that's had a real good season, but at the same time we haven't done well enough to... Try and meet him in the middle in yeah. terms of that ten, that double figures type yeah, midfield player or another forward that that contributes those goals. Yeah. yeah. So up next was a short trip away to Ebbsfleet for the fourth time in as many months. We were on BT Sport again, so kicked off at five thirty, and the voodoo of BT Sport carried on as we lost two one uh, to ex Orient player now Fleetwood Ma- Fleet Ebbsfleet manager Daryl McMahon with James Dayton pulling the goal back, and again I think Mooney Ebbsfleet really. Fleet Mac. Fleet Mac. <laughs> Is that what I said? Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac. Fleet Fleet Mac. Fleet Mac. Fleet Mac. Way too. Yeah. Way too hard. Sorry. Way too hard. I, I should have got that. I should have got that. But yeah, I think Mooney in the last minute, I think he had a, a decent chance. I think they blocked him the line or he missed it. And again, fine margins. And then after that, that was the now in the coffin. Yeah, I think um, without going into loads of detail about it, I think a lot of us felt that that was a time that, that it might happen you know after that game um, it was frustrating because I'd like to have beaten Daryl Daryl's quite a, quite a good mate of mine so I'd like to have beaten him certainly on the telly as well but um, I think you saw a little bit about what they were about at the time so they hadn't had a fantastic start to the season but you could see that they were going to continue to improve because of the you know the makeup and of the team that they had and they were, they were trying to build towards becoming Accustomed to the conference in a similar way, or the national league, so I say, as 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 we have yeah. coming in a different direction. Um, but afterwards, there was you know there was a there was a lot of heated discussion amongst the players and the staff in the change room afterwards. But we obviously then started to to, to sense that something might happen with regards to whether Steve would would remain with us. And then Matt was like, yeah. Board. Yeah, we had a call that night. Uh, we because of the geography involved, um, we usually have our board meetings via conference call, and we had a call that night, and it was agreed that Martin would um, would speak to Steve and, and relieve him of his duties, which is never easy, you know. And Steve was a really nice fella, and um, and a good coach. I think you know technically, I think he, he, no one could argue about his football yeah. knowledge and things like that. But the lesson we learned was twofold. One is easy to gauge, and one's difficult to gauge. One is uh, so the, the difficult thing is. It's got to be the right fit for the person and the club. And I just don't think Steve and Leighton Orient were quite married together in that way. In the same way that Martin and Orient or Russell and Orient were. You know, I don't think Steve was perhaps quite Orient enough. Uh, and the second thing was we had to get somebody in who knew the level. That was key. You know, we underestimated that at the start of the season, the importance of knowing the National League. And they were the two lessons we took from relieving Steve of his role and how we'd replace him. 
obviously not an easy thing to do to bring someone in, as we discussed earlier, with no pre-season, with little infrastructure in place. So, um, yeah, perhaps wrong place, wrong time um, for Steve. But the mission was now on and the reins handed over handed over to you as what turned out to be (laughs) three games. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk about that night. Um, So you were put in charge of the first team, Ross, uh, as it turned out for the next three games while the board took their time to get the next appointment. Right, just before we come on to that, Matt, was there quite a lot of interest straight away? Were inboxes being piled um, in by agents? Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of um, a lot of names who you'd know, a few names you wouldn't like, um, who we didn't like either. Um, <clears throat> you know, this whole thing, when you see like, oh, we've advertised the job and we're getting applications and stuff like you that, don't it doesn't to. really work like that. Yeah. You know, you it's... know, you, look. You, We'd been talking about whether to change the manager for a few weeks beforehand. Well, when you do that, you automatically start putting a shortlist together. You don't wait till you've changed the manager to yeah. start putting that shortlist. So we had our, our four or five names to go with a minute later. Um, you know, so it wasn't um, wasn't. There's no, you don't miss anybody really either. That, that, you know, especially when you want a candidate under very specific uh, criteria. Yeah. So we knew who to who to approach straight away. Um, so a lot of the applications, yeah, that you know, their chances or people who are very, very ambitious to be quite honest. Right, and people that have got good FIFA records. You get a lot of that, yeah. I think they just want yeah. a signed letter on headed papers. And <laughs> things, <but no laughs> very much, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, okay. Um, so first up for you, Ross was Dover Athletic at home, top of the table, I think, as they were at the time, but. There were really no expectations on us to win that because of the difficulty that we were in. I think we were on a dozen game unbeaten um, um, winless winless streak um, so I think there was sort of very little pressure on the whole situation really which I guess I don't know if you felt that or not or if I'm wider the mark with, with how you perceived it to be um, yes yeah, certainly I didn't feel as though anybody was putting any additional pressure on us I think the biggest thing was I'd been part of that 12 game run beforehand so certainly felt the pressure and understood how important it was for us to turn that around. So in my mind, I probably had a plan over the first two games of that and Chester to try and think about us getting four points from those two games, um, which meant I think Dover were top at the time. Yeah. There was a lot being made about the way that they played and the way that they set up, but I felt that we had and still have got the individuals that could hurt a team like, like Dover. Um, so we set up a bit different, played... People said I played Macker up front on his own, but I didn't. I played more, sort of talked to the boys about it being a bit more sort of 4 3 3 when we had the ball to try and affect what, what Dover were going to try and bring against us. Uh, and I think, again, we started slowly, didn't we? They had a one on one after about 20 seconds. Yeah. I thought, oh God, I don't want to do this for much longer. <laughs> um, but I think on the night we, we performed quite well. We did. Yeah. 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 So yeah. goals, but I thought we played quite well. It was a really spirited performance. When yeah, we and then we had them on the ropes, I think, towards the we end. We did. We got the yeah. Craig Clay again popping yeah. up with a wide equaliser. And then after that, I think it was roaring. I think they were actually quite relieved to get yeah. out with a one draw. And I think as well, to be fair, that night the crowd were really good. Yeah. You know, we'd, we'd hadn't had any, any results, but they were really good to Ross. You know, they recognised he's an Orient man and was doing his best. And they recognised that the team was low on confidence and needed some backing. You know, so yeah, they could have turned up that, that yeah. day. Um, and know, the I, fact that we never won that as well the atmosphere yeah, yeah. afterwards was very was very positive, positive. Yeah. could have just turned up and gone oh well you know same old Ori but they didn't they were really good yeah yeah. which I think is a good reflection on where the fans were at that time in the fact that I think most were just grateful that they, they had football to watch at, at Leighton Orient um, I think largely I think there's a few unhappy voices obviously with, with 
with Steve and, and going on that winless streak that we just mentioned. But I think as they should be, mm. as they should uh, be, absolutely no should be complacent. Yeah, 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 happy yeah absolutely. Yeah. So after Dover in no time to rest, Chester were up next three days later. We took the lead through Bond, so an early goal against a team lower than us on the table. So thinking, right, we're going to end this winless run, and then it turned into a bit of a mental match, really. It was uh, the first goal was a bit dubious for Chester. It was did it cross the line or didn't it? Yeah. I don't think we still know if it would be uh, like no. debate oh, no. here. Oh, look, I'm not sure it's much of a conversation to have now, is it? I don't think we'll resolve it. <laughs> but the goal was given and it was one all. Then Chester took the lead and then more drama. Sandals White was sent off and bringing their man down inside the box. A 2 1 down and a man down, but then Sam Sargent pulled off a great save. He did, yeah. From the penalty spot. Credit to him for that. To answer them two things, it didn't cross the line. <laughs> if you were the away and manager actually when you watch it back Jamie doesn't actually touch the centre forward when he tackles him oh, it's just that he's in an open goal and he, t- he takes the ball like the, the centre yeah. forward doesn't realise he's there he card. takes the ball he falls over and he gets but that's been quite a story of our season isn't it really the appalling level of, of refereeing and officials generally yeah. that back pass the other day I, I had a conversation with the chief executive of the National League and I don't want to stitch him up but I'm going to say it anyway and I said to him why don't you ask for National game, uh, sorry, pr- pr- professional League. football league <clears throat> officials. Why don't you ask for those to be? Because you've got there's too many officials in the football yeah. league. They don't all get games yeah. every week. So the, the national league ends up being the best of the rest referees who are working their way up. And I get that you have to have a pathway for referees, but we don't get football league referees. I don't understand why that is. Yeah, and some of them are not getting games. And some of them yeah. are not getting games. So yeah. Do you know yeah. what? Yeah. As well, yeah. something that yeah. I've slowly picked up on especially when we're at home it's just as much of an occasion for the for referee as it is yeah for the team coming yeah. 100% some of the things that you hear and talk about and the things that they say and, and, and what they build it up for themselves because they might be refereeing late in Orient Tranmere which uh-huh. they perceive as a big game it's a big game because they're used to doing one man and his dog at the back end of the park although so saying later in the season I think we had a little run of about five games in a row where we ended up playing against ten men didn't we Yeah. so they weren't always against no no that's right no very much so it does even itself out yeah I think it's it's our history with playing against ten men ain't that great though so so not to be outdone by uh, Jamie Fernandez White getting his marching orders (laughs) I thought if I keep talking (laughs) (laughs) I'll be totally honest a massive bolded comment here that we have to talk about that no, we weren't going to forget it. I'll be totally so. honest. Um, You're passionate. Yeah, but that's still not that's still not an excuse. <laughs> that's not that's, no. There's no reason to, for that to happen. I, I built the game up in my own mind. Like I said, there I thought four points over those two games would be a good return after the run that we'd been on, and I put a lot on the fact <clears> that we will beat Chester, um, and it started to go started to go a little bit wrong in terms of you know, whether it be the referee decisions or we've gone from being one 0 up. So two one down, and I got caught up too much in in the emotion yeah. of it all. Um, yeah, I am passionate. Yes, you know I've been involved in the club a, a long time, and it was a big thing for me. But at the same time, it was still not right for me to to get sent off. I think the aggravating factor there really was obviously the referee and the officials not being the best, and therefore it led to a lot of. I could see you because we were up in the um, press box at that time. We could see you more in the ear of the fourth official yeah. than 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 anything. Well, not than anything else, but you were more than usual. Yeah. Um, no, no, so you could tell yeah. it was getting on on, it on your nerves a lot, and 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 we could see it. We could feel it up in the press box yeah. as well. But no, definitely. But at the same time, I think again another game where we made because we'd lost Jamie. We made changes at half time to, to to go and be aggressive and try and 
not just get back in the game, but still believe that we could go and win it. Uh, we brought Matt Harold on, played him up front uh, with Maka. I think we played 4-3-2. And we got back in the game. Jo- Joby scored an absolute Did. screamer, didn't he? And then right at the death, I thought we'd won it. I think Moon's hit a volley from the edge of the box that we just passed the post. So, yeah. again, we another game that... We should have. Could have, should have, would have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But then Torquay away was our final game in November. Unfortunately, a terrible 3-0 loss uh, down in the southwest. Not too much really to say here. We're not going to uh, drag you back through that one again. Uh, no, but... but I should have got sent off after about a minute. <laughs> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> if I'd have done that, I wouldn't have had to stand We're going to have to get one of those Recaro seats with a seatbelt in it so that you can't get out or get near no, to I'm the right right officials. I'm all right now. I know it's happened. I'm all right, but I should have, yeah. If I'd have got sent off after a minute, I wouldn't have had to have gone through it. <laughs> and it was known as Brophy Gate, this one, wasn't it? Because he, oh, he was on the bus or coach up. Well, yeah, so we lost Macca. Mecca, Mecca was uneligible to play, was he? Because of the oh, international duty. Um, and then uh, obviously Jamie was suspended. Then we brought Bonds and Gala in. That was his first. That was his first start. Mm. And then <laughs> we was getting on the coach at the Marriott and bro phoned me and said he was on the M4. What are you doing that for? Oh, they've called me back. I think we had to tell. Swindon that they had to get in touch with us to tell us that they'd recalled him they'd just phoned him and told him to come back to the club the annoying thing about it was it was all a play to get us to sign him wasn't it really they didn't have much intention of using him they put him on the bench a couple of times but it was just because they knew he was doing well for us and wanted us to make it permanent yeah it's a perfectly acceptable tactic we've done with clubs but you know it's frustrating when you're on the the receiving end of it you know I think because we were playing away as well to Torquay we were training at Bristol City that day so on the Thursday we'd done all of our Tactical work with Brophy and the team, yeah, yeah, of and then obviously we got on the coach and, and had to change it. But none of those things are excuses. We were terrible on the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, gave them three goals. I think Zane Westbrook gave one away, and we they scored. I think yeah. Craig Clay gave another one away, and we were um, and they scored. So Jake uh, made an awful tackle and got sent off as well. Around that time, we were getting a few red cards. You know, Widow and Gillingham, which was harsh, but he was still sent yeah. off. Uh, Sendles White, you know, put himself in that position. You know, said Ross got yeah. sent from the touchline, and, and Jake Caprice as well, and that showed the pressure that everybody was under. You know, because you, you tend not to get a lot of red cards when you're top of the table. Yeah. And it was yeah, around that sort of time that I think you know you lose confidence, obviously, and you lose <clears> your discipline. And then you know we, we'd actually looked at those three games when we were discussing making a managerial <coughs> change. Chester, Torquay, and Solihull Moors were the three bottom place teams in the division at that time, and we we said. The Dover and the Ebbsfleet games, we were quite happy to almost... If we'd have made the change a, a bit earlier, we were almost happy to sort of sacrifice those games with, with a, if we could get it right for those three games against the three teams at the bottom. Because you think if you bring a new manager in against the three teams at the bottom of the table and you get that bounce yeah. and you get six, seven or nine points, straight away you're off to an absolute flyer. Yeah. You know, so we, we, that was the sort of scenario we envisaged. But in the end, we decided that we were far better off, you know, taking our time. And we yeah. trusted Ross and he did a good job. You know, Ross, Ross was completely let down at Torquay by the players. Strangely, on the back of two really good home performances, you know, yeah. none of us, they're expected to go to Torquay and play like that. Yeah. And when we chatted at the end of the game, it was just, we just didn't know where it came from. At no, at I mean, and the other thing that didn't help Torquay were unbelievable. That yeah. Time, <laughs> <laughs> it was their first oh home, home Saturday win in 10 months wow. or something like that. You yeah, know? Yeah. Wow. And signed a couple of new players. Yeah, they were just, yeah. They were, yeah. yeah. But anyway, look, you know, point is we, we took a view that, all right, let's get it right. And then, um, you know, pretty much by then we, we knew what was happening. Yeah, it's just a few days later, Justin Edinburgh 
was announced as a new manager. So for you, outstanding was he the outstanding candidate? We had two what? outstanding candidates. Um, uh, one of whom has subsequently got a job in the football league as well. So we were quite happy with with you know our shortlist. And Justin was decided to be the right man for us of the two um, because. What I said about a fit for the club, we felt it fit. You know, he lives in Essex, he understands Orient, and crucially as well, he has done it at this level, and that is so important. Yeah. You know, I think Newport he was County. his 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 managerial record is good. You know, at non-league level, it's outstanding. Newport, obviously, off off the scale, what he did there. Yeah. Um, Gillingham was pretty decent. Um, you know, certainly the first two two seasons. Northampton. You know, he wasn't there for long. Chance, yeah. and they, they signed a lot of players and didn't really let them bed in. And as you can see, you know, they've sort of not really managed to turn that around. So I think he sort of chalked that one off a bit. Um, and, and we were really pleased with him. And he, he impressed us all from, from day one, I think, you know, including... Yeah. I think he, what he did as well was he took teams like Gillingham and Northampton from a similar position that we were in, albeit in the league. Mm. He'd, he'd taken them from... You know where we were in the league. He, he, when he took over at Gillingham, he went from there to you know one season, nearly getting them out out of League One, which would have been an incredible achievement. And then the same for Northampton. Not this season, the season before, I took over and they were they were All struggling. Yeah. Took over from Robert Page, is that right? And they yeah. and, and they went on a good run, finished strong. And, then, and like Matt says, it it was hard with a new squad really for the start of the season for him. But I think what was obvious from the day that I met him when he came in really was. Uh, his personality and his energy and his attitude to what was missing from the team and I think a lot of that was what we were like when we didn't have the ball um, you know his minimum expectation of how the boys trained every day uh, very particular about professionalism and everything that goes with it and that's not to say that Steve wasn't and I wasn't or the players weren't he just took them to a different level in terms of what he wants. He you know, wants to be successful. He wants to be, you know, wants to win games of football. And I think the bare minimum is what you know the, the tone that everybody sets day in day out. And I think the the, the although he didn't see a huge reaction at, at Solio, um, we all knew or felt that it was in. We you know we were we were we were going to be in a good place. In you know not not too distant times. Yeah, I mean you mentioned Solihull, Hall. It's Justin's first game, but not really. I think yeah, he had like one training session. Yeah, before. he started on Thursday, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, had a day. They had a day, so it wasn't really a game that we expected but to get. But they're a pub team, so we should have smashed them. <laughs> <laughs> they are. But that, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But that's what everybody was thinking. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, you turn up there, yeah, yeah, yeah. you sit in the main Part stand. Time. You're on the second row, which is also the back row. <laughs> you know, you look on the far side. There's a wall, and not yeah. like you know. And you turn up there, and you, you can't be like that. You know, you got you got to turn up there, and, and and I think because Justin had seen that before when he was at Newport. He knew how to to approach that, as opposed to we had a lot of football league players in the team, as opposed to non league players, and we had a lot of um, you know Steve having come from the football league rather than the national That's league. Right. So I think yeah. part of what Justin did as well was realign um, respect and expectations and, and things like that because he had more experience at national league level than anybody yeah. else at the club. And in hindsight as well, when you look at that performance on that day, it actually might have worked in his favour that no 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 this ain't acceptable. This is where we're going to try and get to. This is what I expect. That that doesn't fit with where we're trying to go. And if if you want to if you want to be part of it, you need to improve in the ways that I'm expecting you to improve first and foremost. And then you know, and then and then we'll build from there. That Ironic. might have actually been a. Ironically, to be fair to Solihull, we interviewed Mark Yates last summer for our job, and didn't select him. 
But what a, what a job he did there. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Unbelievable. Yeah, from zero to... Yeah, I mean, that is a rescue table. job of all time. Yeah, Absolutely. They've got there. Yeah. Not saying he would have been the right man for all him, by the way, but, you know... But just as a standout yeah, candidate, yeah, yeah. look at what yeah. he's done. I couldn't yeah. agree with you more. It's one of the biggest things Justin done for Solihull, and I think a few fans were asking questions of Steve early in the season about it. Was he bringing Dean Brill? So a bit of experience in between the sticks. I think that was one of his biggest decisions he had to make early. Straight away. And so no one was afraid that either were the big decisions. No, we had a conversation about it on his first day and it was it was the right thing to do. I still don't think Charlie was as bad as many people made out yeah, at the start of the season. Yeah. I thought Absolutely he was a young, agree. good young goalkeeper in a team that was struggling and he needed probably Back needed that break. Of of yeah. coming, I think he'd also in. been injured at Torquay, hadn't he? He went off for we, a bit. He'd done it at Dover, didn't he? In the warm-up That's he came right. off yeah, injured. Yeah, yeah. Then he came off again when we were at Torquay, didn't he? Missed I, the Chester game, didn't yeah. he? I think if we hadn't had lost... George and Josh, and he'd have had them two in front of him with Joe and Jake yeah, as a settle back four. Yeah, I think he would have been yeah. he would have been exonerated from any of that negativity that he unfortunately faced. Because as I said to a lot of people, uh, you, you're missing the point here. You know, you, if you actually look back at the goals that he conceded, actually many of not them many were of not his fault. Not, no, many not, many. not many were his no. fault at all. No. That was defensive switching yeah. off, and his positioning was good. Yeah. Either he got beaten by a good goal or somebody else was responsible yeah. for it. But it does fall back on the goalkeeper. You know, Charlie got in the England <coughs> under-18 squad and then you know, his face didn't fit under the previous regime. So he sort of didn't, his career stalled for a few years, you know, which is difficult now when, you, when yeah. you've been a, you know, a bit of a teen sensation. You know, and and um, you know, obviously Dean came in and did well. So then goalkeeper's not just a position you change just to mix it up. And there's not more um, than one of them on the pitch. Well, exactly, so you can't yeah. Have so it's difficult yeah. for him. But yeah, I think, he did, again, you know, I'm not just going to stick up for everybody blindly, but along with Craig Clay, I think he's one who probably got a bit too much stick. Yeah, yeah. I do agree. So next up was Sutton United at home. And not many ones saw this coming. Sutton came top of the league. Absolute coupon bust of a match. We won at 4-1 winners. Bond <laughs> put his head early from the penalty spot. Uh, and Howard increased our lead. It was free kick. He got his head on it, and it was two 0 And then Bond scored his second, uh, and our third. And Sutton pulled one back, and then Dayton had a thirty-yard shot. It's like a massive deflection, and we beat the league leaders four-one at home in Justin's first home game. What, what a first win in fifteen. That's exactly what that game epitomised. Exactly what Justin's standards were when when he came in, and I think yeah, we beat him four-one. Yeah, we had. You know, we had too much for him in terms of going forward and those sorts of things. But the intensity that we played out on that day, Sutton couldn't cope with us. But I'm not sure anybody else in the league, no. whoever we were going to play that day, we were going to the way in which the boys went out and applied themselves. Yeah. And people will sit there and say, "Well, yeah, that's a bare minimum," but we weren't getting it before. So that was, you know, that I think that epitomised what what Justin was expecting of the boys. You know, to start with when he first came in and, and they executed it really well. And we took that into Haringey Borough who were next up for us. Uh, FA Trophy action. Game we should really comfortably have won. Uh, should win uh, is what you're thinking. But just a few minutes into the game, they scored. And I'm thinking, and because I was at that game, I was thinking, oh, flipping neck, here we go again. Yeah, the little we, winger looked like... De Bruyne, didn't he? He did. He did really well, though. It was a really good goal. I don't know. He skipped in. to die for. Stop playing out of his skin. It's like he's playing for a contract at Orient. It really was. It's like he wanted to escape from there. But um, I thought it was a poor goal to concede. I think someone might have switched off. I can't truly remember. But whatever Justin said at half time in the dressing room um, had the desired effect and made a difference because. Um, Josh Coulson from a corner smashed in yeah. and then got substituted yeah. yeah it was his first uh, game won it back yeah. and he got an hour and scored he got an goal, hour so yeah. can't ask for more than that that's right he got substituted and then Matt Harold came on and with his first touch 
scored the header. header. So you yeah. couldn't have wanted two better performances, really. Yeah. And it was on the 4G pitch as well. Great day out, by the way. And Harringay Borough just got promoted. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're on to on to good things. So that was a that was a good win. Uh, for us, and again, a, a game that arguably, like Matt said earlier, that you'd want. You'd want a lesser team so you can go out, have a good game, and build that bounce back ability yeah. in, in into the team. And that's two wins on the bounce. Good to see a bit of morale and a bit of the new manager bounce that you alluded to before. Mm. Yeah, we could have potentially slipped up against that. We really could. We could have got a goal behind. Heads went down, but uh, judging by what you say, Justin. Justin wouldn't let that, that happen on his watch. Not not with you, but no, just from, from the expectation no, levels no. that you say he's, he's set. Yeah, the Maidstone United away, so another 4G pitch, but this time we've been victorious with Bonds and Gala, who's actually starting to turn the fans around a bit, I think, when he first came. He's a bit, a bit dodgy, like, wasn't he? I think the thing Bonds to... was, uh, he's a fan, great, like, really good lad, really good personality uh, in and around the <coughs> and he fitted in straight away. I think the difficult thing for Bonds was he'd come from being on Dagnum's bench to coming in and playing in our team. You know, like Matt said earlier, we had Mark Ellis on loan, his loan didn't particularly work out. So Bond's come straight in and, and started and he'd gone from playing next to no football to being First being choice, in the thick yeah. of it. So he probably needed two or three games um, before you start to see the quality of the player or the quality of the defender that, that he is. Oh, he's a good player. I was pleased for I him. think yeah, he is as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Once he got going, you could, and that rust had worn away, I think we could yeah. see a really good yeah. player. Yeah, yeah, he's a good national league defender and Bond yeah. put the points out of reach for them well made the point safe for us and yep. three wins on the bounce at this point are you all patting yourselves on the back of oh the yeah we cracked yeah, it yeah, we come cracked on. it Shout <laughs> the, the hardest thing was trying to you know you've all seen our, our uh, enthusiastic like Kent is for example you know the hardest thing is to convince Kent that three wins in a row doesn't mean 33 wins in a row naturally look it was good because um, you know all season it's just been about stabilising and, and getting a smile back on people's faces and we didn't want going into Christmas, you know, doom and gloom and yeah. heading into the second half of the season and around the bottom four. So we wanted to keep that trophy run going, wanted to build up a little bit of uh, of goodwill again. It was, it was important. But there were a few high fives around the boardroom, uh, I'm sure. But it's Christmas now um, and we are on Boxing Day. We hosted local rivals uh, Dagenham and Redbridge and could our momentum carry us further with a win and delighted to say it absolutely could. With Dayton being the master suppliers, he set up Coulson and Bon, and we ran out 2-0 winners with two clean sheets on the bounce. And Christmas isn't, if I remember rightly, hasn't always been that fruitful for us, Boxing Day. It's always been a bit of a, whoever we've played has always been a bogey side for us and ruined our Christmas. But So I was really quite pleased. Yeah. I missed the game, but um, yeah, shame. Yeah, great performance. And again, another clean sheet, beating the local rivals. And again, Justin having a great impact. But sadly, December the 30th, Bromley at home, Lost one and was probably done the double over <coughs> us, but a decent game there. We made lots of good chances and were really unlucky to come out uh, without anything to show for it. Well, I think Angala was sent off very yeah. early, wasn't he? He was almost sort of thrown to the lines a bit, was yeah, it? Yeah, but I just yeah. played in a bit of a yeah. weak back pass to him. And so we played 85 minutes yeah, for 10 that men. Was right. with 10 men, yeah. Just noted that, and George Porter not endearing himself to his uh, to his old fan. No, he's a bit gobby, fan club again. Oh, absolutely. No I actually quite liked him when we signed him, George, but he... Um, he got a bit big time, didn't he? he Played did a few a games, bit, thought he, he was a little, a little bit messy. Look, yes. he, you know, youthful exuberance turned, you know, yeah. semi-pro turned pro. You can't blame him for getting excited. But obviously, no. he got that decent move up to Burnley and things didn't sort of work out Not at all. since then. But again, no. at the level, I think he does a job for him. Yeah, very good job. Good job. So December ended on a bit of a, uh, bit of a low with that loss, but we could all see the progress being made under Justin. And we took that into January so Justin wasted no time 
in the transfer window we signed Josh Colson really early on in the transfer window so that was a mega boost everyone really happy with that one I think yeah, that was so always coming wasn't that was it that was coming late November early December I think that's another example of what Ross said earlier about Martin you know the, the, the good thing about having Martin there to do that is that it allows the manager to focus on the training ground you know so they, make, they sit down shall we sign Josh Colson yeah no problem Go on then, yeah, off you go and sign. Yeah. You know, and then he deals with the board, so gets the money squared off, everything like that, sits down with the player or the agent, gets it done, phones up Justin, says the player's signed. Justin hasn't had to deviate his attention for one minute away from what's happening on the training ground. Yeah. It's a unique setup and one that I think people were a little bit, oh, that doesn't work in British football, that doesn't work less at a lower league club. So I think that people were a little bit curious as to how that was going to work out, probably harshly critical about it, actually. What do we need a director of football mm. for? It doesn't happen in any other club, but as you said, it's worked out to great effect. I yeah, think I mean, the biggest one as well with that is, if you ask Justin Edinburgh whether it does or it doesn't work, because I think the opportunity, like Matt says, that it gives him to focus as much of his powers as he can on the football is so, so, so important. It's... Yeah. Um, you know, it keeps him that much more refreshed. It gives him, you know, the, the opportunity to come into training every day, worrying about not what's the most important thing because there's other other priorities for a manager. But for him to really worry about what you know what his what his priorities were at the time, and that yeah. was getting results. There's so much more goes into it than than just the team and signings as well. You know, you've got the academy, the physio, sports science department, the yeah. training ground, uh, <clears throat> organising logistics for away games, who's sorting out the scouts. What we're doing about youth players, um, you know, what we're doing about, you know, there might be a disciplinary issue or there might be a, a lad who's got a family problem or something like that, you know, and they're all distractions for people when they're, when they're trying to focus on their main job, you know, and it might mean that a manager has to break away from the training ground one afternoon when he wants to sit down with his assistant and talk about the tactics for Saturday, but he can't because he's got to go and deal with something else, you know, and all, all of that's gone. Um, you know, I think it's, we're very traditional about our football in this country. And we don't like anything that's perceived to be continental. continental yeah. you know, it's not, but in reality, it's the way football's going. There won't be many clubs who, in the next few years who don't operate on that system. Yeah. Cool. So a busy month for Orient in January. Uh, we wasted no time in the transfer window, as you just said. Um, so we've got Josh Coulson in the door nice and early. And then we've got Dan Holman in on loan from, from Cheltenham. Uh, Ebu Adams signed on loan from Norwich and Lamar Reynolds on loan from Newport. So I'm assuming people have got links to various... Obviously, Norwich's, I think, Chief Scout Steve uh, mentioned that he'd uh, worked with Ebu before. Lamar from Newport, I'm assuming that's a Justin yep. uh, connection. Um, Dan, don't know. Um, and Dan Holman had a very good record at the level. Yeah, he smashed yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Steve, <laughs> Steve Foster because he goes massively under the <laughs> radar. Uh, apart from his DJ, but <laughs> DJ Fuzzy. But you know, if you yeah, don't you get said, enough stick for that already. Yeah. So. <laughs> but Ibu Adams, yeah, Macaulay Bond, Marvin Ekpetita, all his recommendations. Yeah. You know, and and probably more that I'm, you know, that I'm not thinking of now. But he's he's got encyclopedic knowledge, and he can spot a player, um, and he's very important to Martin and Justin. Um, you know, because if, if you can't watch every game yourself. And nobody, um, you know, I might advocate the director of football model, but I'm certainly not advocating the signing a player off YouTube model. You know, so you need people out there watching games um, and giving you an honest assessment. And also, because Steve manages to watch enough of our games, he can see too many scouts don't watch their own team. They just go and watch other other clubs. 
and so they can't really tell what's needed, where there's a weakness, where there's a strength, you know, or what system they're playing or anything like that, just by reading a sheet of paper. But Steve balances that, um, and I think he's a real asset for the club. I think you're right. When you li- when I've worked at clubs before where you don't even know what the scout looks like, and I think the fact that he's around the training ground you know, a couple of mornings a week or the odd afternoon here and there to listen to those conversations and to see what's going on at training, to understand that this person's not done this or this person's not quite capable of that. All those little details are things that Steve commits himself to. Um, and like Matt said, he has a real vast knowledge. I think the other thing as well is when it comes to looking for a player or trying to get a, trying to sign a player, it's your, it's your network and your connections of who's his agent, you know, what person mm. at the club can I speak to, you know, what's the quickest way of getting Find out how player. much he's on, yeah, where yeah, he lives, has he got stable family life, when's his contract up? Yeah, you know. and you know all the character, all the character type things that are so important as well. Because the last thing you want to do is you sign a player that's got a good goal scoring record, but you know his right. attitude in the training yeah. in the training ground is not going to be. All those sorts of things contribute and and add to the worth that Steve's shown since he's been here. Cool, yeah. really good insight. Yeah. So then, moving on, um, 2018 started with a trip to Dagenham and Redbridge, so another local trip for us, New Year's Day. And we put in a decent shift to secure a 0-0 draw, getting yet another clean sheet with Justin in charge and Dean Brill in goal. Up next, we're high-flying Boreham Wood at home, and again, Dean Brill did well to keep us in the game. With the scores at 0-0 going into the final 10 minutes, we almost nicked it as Dave Mooney challenged the keeper for the ball, won it, leaving Bomb with an easy chance that he tapped home, only for the ref to disallow the goal, and the game finished even at 0-0. But again, another clean sheet in an encouraging performance. We're starting to see real green shoots of recovery and permanent fixtures, really, of, of yeah, us. We, we were lucky game. to be 0-0 at half-time. In that, I think we played particularly well in the first half. Um, but I think number one, we, we were a lot stronger in the second yeah. half and very unfortunate to, to not win it with that goal. Yeah, and after that, it was our turn to put our attention to the FA Trophy. So we all went out to Bognor Regis and making his debut was Noj Loney. Ebu Adams and it turned out to be a tough tie so another one we look at and we go yeah Bogner walk that easy 5-0 6-0 easy yeah. peasy but a difficult game Bogner had a man sent off in the second half so we went a man up and then Woodison got sent off and the teams were level at 10 men and then Bob puts us one up around I think the 75th minute 80th minute and we're thinking right we see how this and then in the last minute their man scores oh, a, absolutely stunner top corner unbelievable finish <laughs> And we're going to another half hour football, but up steps, forgot a man slightly, Josh Caroma, who featured yeah. a bit under Steve on the bench, didn't really do well, found himself out of the squad. And I think got a um, when I've been on here with yourselves mm. previously, I've spoken about Josh, and I'm sure he won't mind me saying the things that I say about him, but he, he did lose his way a little bit while Steve was here. I'm sure some of that was because he wasn't getting a huge amount of opportunities. Um, but I know that when, when Justin came in, he sort of laid the door down and set him a bit of a challenge really as to what he expected of him and the high hopes that he had of him and you know although Justin done that it was good man management at the same time it was a great response and real maturity from Josh to react and, and, and perform as he has done in the second half of the season so he deserves a lot of credit he, he, um, he benefited a lot from the professionalism of people like Joby McEnough as well Joby's a real father figure to, to a lot of the younger players you know and, and as Ross said, you know, Josh was a bit of an anonymous figure in the first half of the season. Yeah. When you talk about that day at Torquay, I think he had four touches in the whole mm-hmm. game, didn't he? And, yeah, you know, yeah. He, he, he was just going nowhere, really. Um, but obviously, the change of manager and the opportunity for someone to perhaps give him a few home truths 
and fair play to him because he's taken it on really well and was one of our standout performers from then on, wasn't he? And, you know, contributed a lot of good goals, yeah. uh, significant goals. You mentioned Joby. Well. Joby seems to have really flourished under Justin as well. He's a, you I can see there's um, a real mutual respect there. And again, yeah. at the star man, the way Justin talks Justin's about Joby. Justin's described Joby as the best pro he's ever worked yeah. with. I mean, right, right. this is a bloke who played 300 games in the Premier League. Yeah. It's, not a, it's not a sort of comment he'd make lightly, I don't yeah. think. I'm talking about Justin, by the way. So Justin, oh, Justin. 300 yeah. games for yeah. Spurs. Yeah. 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 He played with Paul Gascoigne. Yeah. I'm not saying Gascoigne was the best pro, <laughs> by the way. But you know what, do you know what I mean? He's, yeah, played, yeah. he's played with world-class yeah. players. You know, and he's saying Joby's yeah, the yeah. best. Yeah. Not one of the best. The best pro he's ever worked with. It's impressive. Yeah. But Joby does look after himself. Yeah. And again, how he was treated by the previous, yeah. how he didn't make a fuss, he just got on with it. Just tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, very much so. He's outstanding. Everything that he does, the way he is with the young players, where he's with the old players, where he's with with us as as staff, he's he's excellent. And you can all, I think the good thing is we can all learn off of Joby, and Joby's really keen to learn off of everybody else that he works works with, which is what makes him the pro that he is. But yeah, he, he's mm-hmm. been he's been a real. Real positive for us. You guys better watch out. He's doing his coaching matches. Yeah, tell me about it. I started yeah. opening me other week. And I thought, oh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Pick it up, I kept telling you. Yeah. <laughs> Knock his books over. Um, so next up at Brisbane Road, we're high-flying Aldershot. Um, we got off to a great start. Macaulay Bond gave us an early lead and we were unlucky, really, not to be further ahead before Aldershot then equalised. At the start of the second half, Aldershot took the lead. Uh, with a rebound from a free kick, but they weren't ahead for long as George Elakobi scored for me my goal of the season, and I'd never seen it before from a man that big. It was outrageous. It was. It was. He had Imagine no right to do it. <laughs> Imagine being his back when he landed yeah, on yeah. it. Um, yeah, scored an absolute worldie with a bicycle kick uh, from the corner, made it two all. All the shot ended up. Winning the game as a shot managed to squirm under Dean Brill, although Loney Dan Holman had a chance to level it, level it with a final chance. Unfortunately, he blazed it over, and I, I, that was at the south end. It was South Johnson stand. South yeah. standing, and I thought, oh, if you'd have just got over that and put your laces through it, and just I think there's been home games that we should have won, and then there's been home games that we shouldn't have lost, and I think that was one that we shouldn't have lost. Really, yeah. I think. They were, good, though, good. Yeah, they were good though. Yeah, to be honest, they were probably side the best side of Brisbane yeah. Road, especially yeah. up front. They just, point, every time yeah. they got it, they just drove at you. They yeah. wanted to go, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think they've been the best team, that, football team. That football, played, yeah. yeah. Because is it Gary? Gary Waddock. Gary Waddock. He's an ex-football league manager, yeah. so he, he wants to play football. But even though I lost a right very way. encouraging performance, yeah. and again, like we could see in the stands what was happening, improvement. And then the last fixture in January was an away trip to Halifax. We got off to a great start and. Holman and Bond combined really well. Holman put Bond through with a beautiful weighted pass, and Bond, at this point of season, he's just he's a confident young man at the best of times and finished really well to put us a goal up. Uh, Halifax and equalised through Tom Denton, that man again. But we've made the stern stuff these days, and we might have lost that game or or came into pressure. They before. missed a massive chance before half time. Um, he slipped. Denton yeah, Denton, that's what we, yeah, we went two yeah. one up. Karoma yeah. put us two one up. So again, Karoma now starting to real be an influence in the team and in. They had a really good chance, like but you I said. I think that was like a strong reminder of where we are and where we were and what we needed to do to to get through the night. Yeah, you know, it was um, it was I thought it was a really good team performance that one. And the second yeah. half was quite comfortable, wasn't it? Yeah, it like, was. Yeah, it was settled and you're not. Yeah, and even though they had like a bit of the ball around <clears> the bottom, they like, never felt. Sometimes you get that feeling Danger. that something might. That it was a rearranged game as well after an extremely iffy postponement. Oh my god! Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, that. yeah well, we were there. Oh well, yeah, good well shout. Yeah, that was. Yeah, we were there. Don't worry, I'm, 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 
you quite know, well attuned to everything. They called it off on the morning, didn't they? They, they had a it pitch inspection. They, 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 they said that they said right. the weather forecast. The there was snow everywhere, and the weather forecast was for overnight lows of three or something like that. When it couldn't have got above freezing, it was you know they couldn't yeah, have pulled right. the wool over anybody's eyes with that if they'd have tried. So there was a bit of justice served there because I think they did the same thing to Dagenham a couple of weeks they later. Did, yeah, really they did. poor from you know from Halifax for that. I think the danger is is do you go with the what the club are saying and, and go up there and travel and stay and all that or do you not go up and then risk forfeiting a match you could, I mean, because yeah, if the game could have, have gone go, on yeah, you, you have, have to go, go until it's called off or you get fined but uh, do you claim expense do you claim back from the club for that sort of thing do, do they pay I don't know what you have no, in the National League no I don't no. know no, no, no. No, in no, the football no. league you would, you would get some you know, you from, get. from the gates from the range game right so that was a great win and a full time like lots of great video clips, loads of great pictures. I remember one of Kent hugging a fan and a few of Ebu Adams going into the crowd and you can sense there was a real kind of change around in the mood and the aura of the club. So yeah, really good January. It was a really good feeling after that game. I guess the only kind of negative from January is losing James Dayton, who I think he had 11 assists yeah. throughout the season. So big you know, like when you lose a player at that stage of the season, a little bit like what we've, what's happened with our loyalists, but... With, with dates he was so effective in the final third and he was so important and he's, yeah. he's, he's obviously a quality footballer um, but another thing that people miss with him is his work rate and his, his energy that well, he's that up and down the all the time, yeah, yeah. Work, a very high yeah. percentage of our goals yeah. in that first third first yeah. half of the season came from, from him because of him yeah, yeah he's, a, he's a very very he got taken out a few he, times because we've uh, because he's not been around for a little while, we sort of almost forget about him. But yeah, we certainly haven't, and we you know look forward to having him back for next year. So he'll have a nice rest now. Pre get a pre-season under yeah, his belt. In, in the last week or so, he's been able to get out and start sort of jogging, if you like. So that's a, another step forward for him. And, well, and there's no rush for him now, is there? Because obviously he's got no, a couple of months. So. Yeah. I mean, answer this question: Your four wingers next year are Dayton, Brophy, McEnough, and Caroma. Which two do you leave out? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, that's yeah. a nice problem for Justin to have. Yeah. yeah. yeah real strength and depth there so February Sam Ling joins the club or rejoins the club from Dagenham and Redbridge to further bolster the squad I think I was a bit apprehensive when he joined the club I think it's been sensational Sam Ling since he's been back they got into trouble I think it's a bit of context Dagenham were in a bit of trouble their main their main investor their backer Glyn Hopkin had pulled out and I think they were having a bit of a fire sale weren't they it's interesting you say you're apprehensive if his name had been Sam Smith would you have been apprehensive Oh, well, because he's a singer. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean. You know, when he was at the club, firstly, I didn't really see that much of him. Yeah. but wasn't that impressed. But in the two years since he was away from the club, whatever David yeah. which coached into him or or progressed yeah. as a player. Yeah, yeah. He, you know what the biggest returned. thing I think is because I obviously followed his career because I coached him as a seven-year-old. But I think the biggest thing was opportunity for him. So Dagnum have done fantastic by him, and and you know they've developed a player that we're gonna. See the benefits from from long, you know, over the longer term, but it was opportunity. It was Sam Ling playing football, playing men's football, playing competitive football, being in a team week in week out, and learning, learning the game. And um, I think that's been the biggest thing for him. Is nobody, well, very few people at the club would have had much of an idea of what he was capable of because because <coughs> he hadn't played. Yeah. Um, the only thing that, and I, I've had the conversation with him and Martin, that I was a little bit. Concerned about for him at the time was him coming back as Martin Ling's son. He always felt that when he left the club, I remember having a conversation with Martin and saying to him, it might be the best thing for him because he can yeah. go away and be Sam Ling rather than Martin no, Ling's boy. So, yeah. But Absolutely. the thing right. he's done since he's been back already, he's, he's his own man, he's a completely different player to his dad, he's got strengths that 
You know that his dad never had. His dad had a few good qualities. Yeah. As well. Don't get me wrong, but Sam's Sam's certainly his own man, and he goes about his own business. That long throw of his as well. Yeah. I mean, you can't just coach that into. Well, it was really good until we played Barrow, and then we saw their blokes throw. It went up and shit. Yeah. It was like a free kick that guy, but Dan Jones at Barrow. I think the thing was with with that as well was that Martin removed himself completely from the whole process. Yeah. I was just going to come on to that. The transparency, yeah, has been great from you know. I mean, to be fair, I know the managing director at Dagenham Reveridge, and I sorted that side of it all out and. Sam's contract because it wasn't fair for Martin to be involved yeah. and he couldn't have fingers pointed at him if that if that hadn't worked out or anything like that so he was not involved in that the, the actual once it became obvious that Dagenham were in financial difficulty and their players were available the shout to sign Sam didn't come from Martin down to Justin and Ross it came from Justin and Ross up to Martin you know so it wasn't um, there was no suggestion of any favouritism or anything like that which I think was quite a crucial thing to do actually as a club because at the end of the day there's there's nepotism there's nepotism mm. and, and I think to remove Martin from that was brave and bold well he and, insisted and absolutely on it, it wasn't the club's decision he, he yeah. said I'm not well, yeah. I said I'm happy to sign him but I'm not I can't be involved in it which is absolutely yeah there's right. no football league ruling or national league ruling about that sort of thing is there? no no right okay so national league don't have a lot of rules <laughs> <laughs> yeah clearly so fair play there to yeah, Martin. Absolutely. So February started with an absolute flyer. Third round of the FA Trophy, a match that will live long in the memory. In the first half, and I think anyone would have seen the second half coming. We went a goal up uh, through George Elikobi, and then things got a bit crazy. By the 60th minute, we were three goals up and cruising, I'd say, into the next round. And Matt Harold and Bond got goals. Bond's goal was an absolute stunner into the top corner. So 3 0 up, and then the Dover comeback started. They got a consolation goal, and we had a few chances. and to make it 4-1 I think many of those go in really it's game yeah we had a number of chances didn't we yeah we had a number of good chances as well um, not that you think you should need it at that stage mm. of the game and we shouldn't have done but like you say if you do then probably go and win it 5 or 6 yeah. but obviously the, the other side of it came didn't it yeah they pulled one back in the 81st minute they man I think he toe poked it into the corner yeah. beat Brothers yeah, very decent goal and then they equalised with a couple of minutes left to make it 3 or at this point you're thinking it looks like a replay and then Mooney Super, Super Dave Mooney, Mooney comes does, on and does what he does best. best. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's one bloke people. in the world you want to have a bit of time That's right. in the box and does on it on no cup. time in the box. On a on a terrible pitch, by the way, as yeah. well. So it can't be underestimated the quality that it took for him to finish that. Sensational goal. Absolutely yeah. sensational goal and we get the win to the next round. Yeah, quite euphoric that really for for ninety yeah, we, four. Me minute. and Justin were getting it really bad off of their supporters as well behind the dugout. They oh. were absolutely tearing shreds off of us. So when that goal went in, you can imagine the response they got. <laughs> so I thank Dave for a lot of things. Did you really get sent off again? No, 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 no. <laughs> not like that. But it was, uh, yeah, it was good. A great win. And again, we showed the progress we were making under Justin to yeah. be able to get pegged back and then go and win the game as well. Shows a lot of character, yeah. and spirit, and fight there from the boys. Yeah, and then fresh from the excitement of the Dover game, Tranmere Rovers were up next as they visited us at home. A tight first half ended with Tranmere taking the lead as we defended poorly from a corner, leaving them with a simple header. But the second half saw further chances for Tranmere, but we showed the fight instilled by Justin as we grabbed a point thanks to a Dan Holman shot, which deflected in as the game finished. Well, no, that was his only game, a goal for us. Yeah, um, I think... Taken um, off him, yeah, it was wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. In the end, was it really? Yeah. Which I have to say, oh, I mean, Dan tried his nuts off and, and had a he lot. Did. You know, did really well for so, for someone who didn't score a goal, as that one isn't given to him. The fans stuck with him. Everybody could see what he was trying yeah. to do. But to be fair, that that was just a cross. You know, the, when he yeah, I felt a bit. I feel a bit sorry for Dan because I think there was moments where 
there's some he, he, I'm sure he admit himself he, he should he should have finished and he, he should have had more goals but then there was other times where he was unfortunate goalkeepers made good so I think it was a couple of way to Dover and he hit the post on a couple of occasions and I think you might have seen a 8-10 goals in the second half of the season Dan Ullman rather than the one who then you know sort of found it found it tough to to try and finish any chances that came his way and then obviously he finished you know into the season wasn't a great one for him because he picked up the injury that he did mm, but yeah. felt, felt a bit because he did work he did really work hard and I think he gave us a different something at the top end of the pitch along with when he played up there along with Maka yeah like he was saying he was developing a good partnership because we sponsor down so we had a good chat with him mm. and the sponsors because mm. he was cup tied in the FA Trophy so he played National League game and he'd be wouldn't be eligible mm. and then come yeah. back and mm. he's not eligible and it was quite hard to stop starting to, get to stop starting yeah, it was, yeah. but he was showing some good good signs yeah, so yeah. he's got a good attitude yeah, on him yeah, as well by the sounds of it yeah so next up in the league was a visit to AFC Fold who had not been beaten on their own patch since October but the O's were looking good and Dan Holman got fouled in the box yep. some people will say it was outside the yeah. box but it was in the box to us and upstepped was controversial that. I thought it was outside yeah. I think it was oh well refs are good in this league they are <laughs> <laughs> that was one of those performances that Halifax away come to it in a minute Chester Filed. We defended really, really well, and we were really, really dangerous on the counter of attack. We've done up the top end of the pitch because he had that little bit more pace and energy, if you like. The fact that we had Broth, I think, on the wing that yeah. day, um, and we had Karoma on the other side, or he certainly came on Karoma, didn't he, that day? I think the was saying. Um, and then obviously Macker at the top end of the pitch, where we started to look a real threat when we could defend yeah, better. Josh away, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then. Um, hit teams on the counter of it with the pace and the energy that we've got. Yeah, fantastic win there. And again, hard to beat, hard to break down, nick a goal and come at us and come and yeah. attack us. And then teams come after you and then they, you know, expose we can expose the space behind us. I think as well, if you look at the three games Ross mentioned, <coughs> Halifax, Fold and Chester, <coughs> all three up north, two of them on a Tuesday night in winter. You know, when you talk about, it's a bit stereotypical, but you talk yeah, about character right. and stuff like that. I think two, two clean sheets in those three games, only one goal conceded. Yeah. And nine points. Yeah. Well, when you know you look back at the character when we were saying we lost a bit of discipline back in November time and all that to, to get to February and be doing that shows the turnaround that, yeah. that had happened. Definitely. Yeah. So let's go to Chester then because just mentioned it. So we had Chester on the Tuesday after that game and a tight first half and we looked good defensively in the second half where we looked to get the goal to open up the game and this time the goal came from James Brophy's shoulder claimed another valuable win. And another clean sheet is Debra yeah. Marshall his defence. We so we we talked a lot before that about continuing in that form that we're just mm. talking about and in the manner that we were setting up away from home. And that night, especially at half time, I remember talking to the to the gaffer and, and we were very aggressive in terms of half time. Right, we defended well, we looked comfortable, but now we expect you to go and win. The, you know, we expect us to go and, go on and win and kick on and. I suppose put a little bit more pressure on the players and like Matt just said there showed how far we'd come to say no now we expect us to go on and win the game it's not you know not a thing to come here and accept that we're going to draw nil nil here or or hold on to what we've got we need to go on and and do that we had a number of chances in the second half he scored a bullet shoulder didn't he instilling that winning mentality yeah very much so yeah Yeah. and and then a bit of a turn in terms of what's expected of people and the fact that the boys could, could carry it through. And we'd lost George, I think, in the warm-up, hadn't we? Yeah, so next up, one of the games of the season. Uh, we made our TV 
presenting debut on the live stream as Gates had visited Brisbane Road in the FA Trophy quarter final. Good start, controlled the first half. Karomo again scored a peach of a goal yeah, did, yeah. to put us one up at half time. And in the second half, fantastic start. Ever Adams scored the official club goal of the season following great work by Jake Caprice. And then Coulson scores from a header at 3 0. We even tweeted that we're, we're in the hat for the semi final, which probably in hindsight was the wrong thing to do. blamed for that before. Put the buck on it. And then all of a sudden, Gates would go for it. I think they put four up front, started yeah. attacking down their left. I think their left back started getting a lot more involved in the game. So this is player. on the hour mark. I think the tide started to turn. I think we, I think the, what I saw, I thought the mentality of us at three 0 up with half an hour to go. I thought we kind of sort of relaxed a little bit, and they went, "Oh, hello, you're sitting back a bit. We'll come on to you." And we allowed them. They, they all go back, and Ever Adams gets himself injured. Yes. I think that turned the tide. A but also, bit they brought Danny well. Johnson on. I mean, I'm not making excuses. You should have won the game, but they brought on one of the top five strikers in the national league, and, yeah. and you know we showed a bit of weakness at the back, and they capitalised on it, didn't they? Yeah, so he's, yeah. he scored two, didn't he? Danny Johnson, he scores the first, and he scored quite a good second yeah. goal. It was clear after the game when we when we when we watched it back that the we, the intensity dropped in terms of the way that That's everything that we've been talking yeah. about as to why why things started to turn for the better. But we lost that edge, that intensity, a couple of little errors, and then all of a sudden you can't turn you can't turn it back on again. You've got to, you know, be professional enough to carry that forward, and that was something that we lost after, particularly after they scored that first one. Yeah, so they, it obviously equalised late on to make it three all, which meant we were going up to Gateshead um, later in March. That's summer February, so we get some really good away performances, um, and we were still in the FA Trophy. So the month of March started with an away tie to Dover in the National League, and despite some terrible weather and snowstorms, the match was one of the only few to be played in the National League. And credit to that weekend. for doing that, because mm. we all thought, and I went to that game, we all thought it was going to get called off. I thought it was going to be another Halifax. thought it was going to be another sort of last-minute dot-com postponement. Well, we we travelled overnight to, do- to stay yes. overnight at Dover yeah. because of the weather. And because we felt like it's not going to be on, but we better get there just in case by some miracle it is. We got to the hotel and the coach couldn't drive into the car park at the hotel. There was so much snow. So in everybody's mind, you're thinking, well, definitely ain't going to be on the grounds only five minutes up the road. We phoned Dover to ask if we could go and look at the pitch and they wouldn't let us in. So you're thinking, there's no way this game can go ahead. So when we got there and they were just finishing taking the covers off, and albeit the pitch was horrible, not, yeah, not in a horrible great shape, they'd done yeah. unbelievable to get it on. So the game went on. I think we had a few chances, spurned them, and I think Dover got a late goal. Yeah. And we're lucky to lose that game 1-0. Yeah, I think that was a little bit of a lapse in terms of you know, things away from home that we'd that we'd improved on. Um, Matt Harold had a really good game, I felt, that day. Which um, Coulson did quite yeah. well. I think he had a couple of chances in their yeah, box we, as well. And we, we switched off for, 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 goal. for one goal, which was very, very frustrating because of where we where we come from and where we come to, yeah. especially away from home. And that, another one of those where we shouldn't we shouldn't have lost. Yeah, the longer that game went on nil-nil, I remember following it thinking, we might nick this. This is yeah. like what we've been doing, whole seeing teams out to about the hour mark and then really kind of going yeah, yeah. through and putting yeah, intensity yeah. And up, like switch off said. at the other end that let yeah. us down. So next up though, uh, so we lost that 1-0. Next up, we had a long trek uh, midweek up to Gateshead for a quarter-final replay. Uh, and within the first 15 minutes, we found ourselves 2-0 down due to some poor defending and a penalty that was dispatched. And whatever Justin said at half-time, again, clearly had the divide, desired effect as James Brophy pulled a goal back for David Mooney scored a header to make it 2 all with 20 minutes remaining. So It was only things... at half-time, it, was, it wasn't much that needed to be said other than, well, you, this mob done it and got back into it when we played them at home. Yeah, so that's what I think I, I what said. What are we going to do about it? 
we did it very, very well. I think that was probably Lamar's best game for us that that that, that night. Um, and there was with with fifteen twenty minutes to go, there was only one team that were going to win it. That's what I thought. Yeah. Mm. And then you know, unfortunately for for Lamar himself, he switched off in the corner and got the ball nicked off him. Off him, yeah, and they and scored. We ended up letting yeah. the goal in. Yeah. Biggest disappointment of the season that because that t- trophy was there for us to win this year. Hundred percent. I was convinced that was that day out of Wembley, which could have ended much differently to our previous yeah. one, was was really on the table for us. So that yeah. was for me. The, Massively. Yeah, Massively. I agree. Massively. You called that quite early on that we'd go yeah, on to Yeah, I had a feeling. We discussed it last summer, what we're going to do this season. We're going to try and win the FA Trophy. You know, because it's the sort of thing, you come out of the Football League and they say, right, you're playing in the FA Trophy. You're going, well, we'll just stick the reserves in that. But we've, we've made a yeah. conscious decision from early in the season to, to try. Because it. it was an obvious win opportunity for us, you know, in terms of goodwill and getting the fans yeah. smiling. And, and a decent day out. Showing Wembley. that the club's back again, yeah. you know. So I'll tell you shame. what it did do for us, though, was it meant that at that stage we had to look at what we were going to do between now and the stage we're at, when I say now, and the end of the season with regards to, right, what's our motivation now? Because we're out the trophy. Unrealistic. You know, we can go up mathematically if you win every game, I suppose. But what are our realistic ambitions? So it was the low point in terms of you know not not trying not meeting what we were setting out to achieve. But at the same time, what it then did is it made everybody refocus and try to understand how we were going to achieve what we wanted to achieve between now and the end of the season. So I clarified it for yeah. yeah, absolutely. So fixtures came thick and fast. I think we've started to get a bit of a fixture backlog as well. Because now, of that run, everything had to move to a Tuesday. The Halifax game had been called off. Yeah, so so we were playing literally back. Saturday, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. It would have ended up for the, for the rest of the season. If, if I think when we looked at the, Chris, the, the fixtures at like the end of January, we thought, oh, this is all right. We're going to be Saturday, Saturday mm-hmm. for the rest of the season. And then you win a couple of cup games. One gets called off and then all of a sudden you're... Saturday, Tuesday for the rest, most of the season. Yeah. To to be fair to the authorities, and a lot of the time fans won't see this. That's why the fixture pattern is as it is, and why you are you have to rearrange games as quickly as you can before the winter because they do, you know, um, expect backlog through weather and cup runs and stuff like that in the in the latter half of the season. So sometimes um, clubs get a bit of stick for when they rearrange games, but there is always a bit of logic behind it. Because you, you never know what you end up with. You look at some of the non-league teams this year. The yeah. teams yeah, up north are playing, are playing yeah. literally yeah. day in, day out to get the season finished in time. You know, yeah. we, we couldn't tough, get to a yeah. point. There was a game this year in the conference on the Thursday, weren't there? Yeah, Flyers and Dagenham. That's it. Yeah. You know, it's it, no good for anybody that playing on a Thursday. But that's the only other chance you got. If we'd have been one more game more, we'd have been down to our next game yeah. on a Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Incredible, which which isn't good enough. Um, fixtures were coming thick and fast as we had another tough match uh, to follow as playoff chasing Ebbsfleet were next to visit Brisbane Road. In a tough match, it was Ebbsfleet who took the lead early in the match, but good combination work from Sandling and Brophy. Saw Brophy's shot take a deflection and go in to give us a deserved point. Yeah, James Brophy, really different level since he's been back on a permanent deal. Really strong player at this level, really high expectation for yeah. next season. So then Torquay were up next. And looked certain, well, Torquay did get relegated, but it was relegation cert at this point. It was one of those nights, really, where you knew you weren't going to see anything going for us. We went one down in the first half and never looked like getting anything. But although saying that, Bon has a glorious chance quite late on with a header. Yep, certainly. I think um, something that we've got to change a little bit next year is, you're right, sometimes those games look like it's not going to go for us, but at the same time, we can't afford to give a team the opportunity to go one new up. You know teams are going to come and try and frustrate you and make it difficult for us at home. We can't give away 
some of the cheap goals that we've given away this season in order to give them something to hang on to. I think in time, you, if you can keep it a nil-nil and the crowd stick with us in the manner that they do, second half, the longer the game goes on, we know that we're going to wear them down. So we've got to, we've got to eliminate that, you know, that giving away those opportunities. Because it seems as though the minute you get one away at our place, the other team seems to take it, don't they? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And Mooney also hit the post with pretty much the last kick of the game. Yeah. Oh, I like he did everything right there. Yeah. Everything right with that one. So next up, we had an away trip on St. Patrick's Day, I think it was, at Andy Hessenthaler's Eastley United. Pretty even contest, both defences coming out on top in a nil-nil draw uh, before Woking were up next. I thought that game was a bit of a... It was solid from both sides without being entertaining or interesting. I don't want to use the I mean, word boring. Game early East, early East game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought Dan Holman had a really good one-on-one, didn't he? Yes, Macca, we, he did. We, we rested Macca second half, that yeah. And, uh, and Dan had a really good chance. And the keeper came out and closed it down quite quick and yeah. the chance went. Did Joby hit the bar from a free kick as well, I think, in the first half? Um, yes, you're right, yeah. 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 But yeah, you're right, there wasn't loads of chance. I don't, they had didn't only, have many, did they? No, they, they didn't. They might have hit the post as well, but um, yeah, you're right, it was, it was a it was a nil-nil. Yeah, another um, clean sheet though in that one. The next yeah. up was Woking at home. Uh, from the moment of the kickoff, I thought we looked well up for this one. Bond was just running ragged at the back. He was just pulling out all their full-backs in positions they didn't want to go. Took the lead as Bond had a one-on-one. I think Holman again played him in nicely, dispossessed yep. their defender. And then That's Bond right. scored from the rebound. Yeah, And then Brophy surged into their area uh, from the halfway line, won a penalty. Which Bond dispatched and Brophy got his deserved goal at the end of the game. That was a really they hit the good bar, strong they, early performance. On. they hit the bar early on with a shot from quite a long way that out. That was right, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, other than that, other than that yeah, we were comfortable, weren't we? So we should have chucked that, then we could have gone there next year instead of Barrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and interestingly, that was our first home win in 2018. Yep, Ooh, and that was, think, yeah, yeah, that was March. Yeah. End of March, uh, we had to wait for that one. Last fixture of the month, those saw us travel to relegation threatened Geisley and after a goalless first half, the match came to life straight away in the second half as a Geisley keeper was shown a straight red card for bringing down Macaulay Bond just outside the area. Uh, I think there's no disputing that that was no, clear red. That was it was a, the a way he brought him down, I think, was what mm. got him sent off. I don't think it was so much the fact that he fouled him, I think the fact that he came out with two sort of studs up. And studs up, what, yeah. What it's quite dangerous up. as well. Yeah. Uh, from the resulting free kick, though, JB scored an absolute peach of a goal and then it looked to have sealed the game Fifteen minutes left with 15 minutes left as he slotted home after a mazy run. Although guys, he were given a lifeline, straight away as uh, a harmless Joe Woodison back pass bobbled over Dean Brill's foot and into the goal, but David Mooney made the point safe in the last minute with a tap-in following good work by James Brophy to leave the away fans happy. Yeah, I think the, what was um, that sort of didn't get noticed there, the, the pitch was, it looked nice when you st- when you mm. stood back from it. Mm. When you walked on it, it was so soft, it was frightening, you couldn't get, you just couldn't, you couldn't keep your feet, you couldn't, it was really hard to to have any sort of balance. So to run around and, and try and kick it at the same time was, yeah. it was a challenge on that day. Um, and when first half the ball was out of play more than it was in I think and we remember saying to the boys at half time that we need to create our own intensity and atmosphere and try and get the ball back into play as quickly as we can and, and, and try to put them on the back foot a little bit because they were content to just sort of let the, let the clock run down as much as possibly could and we started the second half really lively yeah, a fantastic performance there. Joby getting two goals and Mooney obviously capping it off, which yeah. is great to see. So now we move into the last month of the season in April. 
so Justin Ross and the players look to end the season as strongly as possible. So like you said, once you're out of the FA Trophy, just clarifying expectation and giving everyone... Yeah, expectation of what the rest of this season looks like. You don't want to dismiss the rest of the season because it's important, but at the same time, it's about what the rest of this season can do for next season. Yeah. And how we could galvanise everybody and make everybody that much stronger and, and together and how we can build our performances and what the, the core values, if you like, are of, of the team and keep improving them and try to evolve the group so that when we come back for pre-season that we're ready to, to look at everything that little bit more positive as opposed to, without naming any teams in the league, but one or two teams you could see were probably in a similar, similar position to us when we played Gateshead of can't go up, probably won't go down indifferent in the way that they end the season we we would we, we didn't want to let that be the case because of the way the season had been for yeah uh, for us at the start but clearly working as we beat Barrow 4-1 so Barrow scored the early goal uh, but after that it was pretty much all us as a long well it was a bond header that I think he was claiming but he ain't getting that goal no. was he he didn't get that no, no. not a well, chance he's still claiming it I'm sure <laughs> trying to yeah. yeah Marvin was closer than Mecca <laughs> And then Josh Caroma, again, making great progress, scored the second. Again, I think that might have been off his shoulder or his head in yeah, off the post. Right. Yeah, yeah. But he it's anticipated that really well. And after that, very good goal, that turned into the Bond show. As yeah. he got two late goals to still a 4-1 win. And again... I think Brophy nicked one, didn't he, and put it back across the goal for him. Yeah, I think the third was really good yeah, play yeah. by Brophy, really unselfish, pulls it back. And then Widowson, who, again, yeah. I think... Probably one of the unsung heroes towards the second part of the season. Been really strong. Got a great. Yeah, assist. he didn't have a yeah, good first think, half. Um, did he? Yeah, I think I don't think Joe, Joe was particularly well accepted at the beginning. I don't think people were overly taken on him, whether it was his performances or or what, whether he come from Dagnum, I don't know. But um, Joe's very consistent in a lot of the things that he does. He doesn't wow you all the time because that's not the type of player that he is. But he's very professional. He's very calming around a lot of the other players um, and I think towards the latter end of the season you started to see that he is capable in the final third he's just not going to get it and do three step overs and put it through someone's legs and smash it in the top corner and it's not his thing he's steady defender and does his job properly and, and you need like Matt said earlier about Craig Clay you need those players in the team you can't have everybody all singing all dancing yeah. he's, he's, uh, and I think I'd like to think anyway general consensus he's won a lot of people over yeah absolutely Absolutely. So next up was uh, leaders and eventual National League champions, uh, Macclesfield Town. Again, BT Sport, so a bit of an early kick-off. Um, First day the sun had been out since God knows when. I hadn't seen the sun. So yeah. Macclesfield, not that you'd ever expect the sun to be out in Macclesfield. In the whole place. It was that day. Yeah. yeah, it was, but on the BT cameras. As, First time as, it played as well as on said. TV all season as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, upset quite a few fans though, because it was a... It was um, a game that was brought forward for, mm. for Teddy because BT yeah. Sport fully expected them to tonkus and fully expected them to then be yeah. league, league champions, which obviously annoyed a lot of fans because of the rearrangement. You can see why BT did it. I mean, it's it's not the easiest sell in the world of National League football to the general football audience. Yeah. You know, you have to have a reason to put a game on for, for people to watch other than fans of that club, those clubs, or fans of the, that division. But... A game that sees a 150-mile trip each way for the away fans to be changed at 10 days' notice or whatever. And they then did it for Macclesfield's game at East. The following one, like, yeah. like a week's notice, you know, it's poor. It's poor, that. You know, you'd like to think that for a bit of PR, somebody from BT would get hold of Virgin Trains or someone and say, look, can we do a deal with you whereby fans can 
fans' tickets can be changeable. I think, to be fair, to, I'm not knocking the train companies because I think when our game against Halifax was called they off, switched they let our fans yeah, go yeah, on did. the train with the wrong tickets, which yeah. was top, top PR. It doesn't cost them any money, so it's, no. it's good PR. Yeah. But, you know, really, I think in the Football League there's like an eight-week, there should be an eight-week thing, whether it's always stuck to, I'm not entirely sure, but at the yeah. National League levels, they don't have as many cards to play. Um, and so they maybe are a little bit easier manipulated by by the broadcaster. And I think at seven days to ten days to change a game, yeah. it's not a local derby. It's pretty harsh. Yeah. Without going into specifics, do we get much from BT? I'll tell you that? specifically. If you're the home team, you get six grand. If you're the away team, you get two grand. We'll put it like this: Macclesfield at three p.m. is not necessarily an overnight. Macclesfield at twelve thirty p.m. is definitely an overnight. An overnight costs more than two grand. Right. So, <laughs> Yeah, where's where, yeah. who's winning there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's costing us money to go to Macclesfield for a lunchtime kickoff, and that you can argue about associated benefits for your sponsor being on TV and stuff like that. It's that you know, pretty untangible stuff. But nevertheless, um, it's uh, it's not an ideal situation, and, I, and I'm not blaming BT. I think they're probably in a bidding market of one for the National League rights. Yeah. You know, so they um, get carte blanche so and they do whatever get, they want, yeah, really. But, but you know, I think there should be a little bit more consideration goes into it. Do we have, as a club, the ability to say, actually, no, that doesn't work Not really, for us. no, you don't, no. One thing I would say, though, is I'm pretty sure under the new right of pre- uh, round of Premier League rights, BT's live match on a Saturday has changed from a 5.30 to a 12.30. So they will probably then look to put National League games on at a different time. And bearing in mind, they can't do 3 o'clock because of the blackout. Whether that will mean Saturday evening games, like I think we had against Ebbsfleet back Ebbsfleet, in November, yeah, yeah. or maybe Sunday lunch times or something okay. like that. Um, but I, I doubt if BT have got a twelve thirty kickoff in the Premier League, I doubt they'll put it up against the twelve thirty kickoff yeah. in the National League. Fair enough. That so, makes sense. Okay. So the champagne was put on ice as we got a decent draw away yeah. to Macclesfield. I think they went up. Like you one said, I think everybody was expecting what outcome everyone was expecting. So you don't need to motivate too much, do you? If you're going there and. And I think by now we'd started to look at that, you know, what we'd planned in terms of how we finished the season and the, and the conversations that we'd had internally, the motivation to continue winning games like that and to go to Macclesfield and, and make that mark on the fact that, you know, we're not just accepting the, the, you know, the season to, to end, you know, slowly. We want to finish strong. So I think the boys put in a good performance that day and made their mark. Another goal for Josh, who's now playing up front at this point. Yeah, I think it shows he's um, again where 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 he's got to um, since Justin's been here. I think he's um, shows that he's got more strings to his bow. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether or not he's a forward, whether or not he's a winger, I think only time will tell. But I think the more um, the more you can perform and play to that level in different positions, oh. then you know, more opportunity you got to be in the team every week. So for a lad of his age, it, you know, can only stand him in good stead. Yeah. Well, we were the better side that day, um, yeah. and Dean Brill made one wonderful save from from a header right. went down low to his left. But apart from that, we outplayed the team that won yeah. the league by ten points. You know, which shows again, it, it, not so much where we come in the last few months. That doesn't really matter. But where we need to be next season much to do what Macclesfield have done or get close to yeah. that to that level. It's not a million miles away. You know, no. there's plenty of plenty of teams in the playoffs this year. We took points against. Yeah, it was the Torquays, the Chesters, Chesters the, yeah. the Solihulls, where we let ourselves down. Absolutely, yeah. and I think Josh Caroma has often said in the past that his preferred position is up top. Yeah. So it was no surprise to me that he was scoring goals when he was played in his preferred position. It's just because yeah. he's he's got good feet. He's fast, which is why he was put out on the wing yeah. by previous managers. But it, it wasn't a surprise to me. I'm not trying to 
sound like a big deal here, but I think it's a good thing you can play in both positions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 squad, you need versatile players. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we said that on the podcast before, didn't we? If Kroma starts up front, then he can drop back into midfield if you bring on a forward for him, or Joby can go in the middle. He can go, middle, he can go on the wing. Yeah. yeah, it's quite a. Um, what's the word uh, a nimble a nimble squad that you can then yeah, sort of move around versatile thank you so then on the following Tuesday we faced a long trip up to Hartlepool who were in and around the same sort of league position as us at that time and sadly the Hardy Souls who made that midweek trip were not rewarded with any points as we lost 1-0 and Hartlepool went down to 10 men with just over 10 minutes left on the clock yeah I mean I think Karoma misses a fairly decent chance in that game I think if he scores out I think we yeah, get to win that game were, their crowd were on the you know, on on edge very much so that that night it was a very good chance chance for Josh and a you know, big thing for him to learn from. Yeah, you know, very very good opportunity for someone of his ability. He should have scored. Um, we had a couple of good opportunities rather than chances. I'd say as the game went on, poor goal to concede. Um, another, if you if you're looking at it from a from a squad on an individual player's perspective, a good big big learning curve for Marvin because he I think when he's coming to the team he's yeah. done really really well. Um, but gave the free kick away. I was obviously still playing on his mind a little bit. Didn't get tight enough to his man, and his man scored the header. So you know we're in a luxurious position, and we can look back on that, and it's not not too it's damaging. But us, you, yeah. know, you want to make sure that he learns from it. So back home for the next game, then as Wrexham visited Brisbane Road, which meant that it was, should have been our last home game, but wasn't due to the rearranged game versus Maidenhead, which is coming up. So Wrexham were flying high. I think they still had a chance of the playoffs at this yeah. point. So needed to win the game, but a very solid performance. I thought every player in an orange shirt was sensational uh, that day. Bon got his goal from a Mackinac cross. Uh, I think um, you know what I was really pleased about on this day was that with um, the makeup of the group and the way the season panned out, there was a lot made of when Josh ain't in the team, when George ain't in the team. Oh, we lost Charlie Lee, and they're massive things, but. A lot of the time there was criticism that was aimed at some of the younger players and some of them, you know, in their first full season or proper first proper season of, of, of having the responsibility of playing. Um, and I thought that against a very credible team in the league or, you know, big club in the league, they put in a really, really good performance. It was a really, really young team oh, that day. I know the, a lot was made of the back four and, and um, you know, the average age of the back four, 20. if you like, yeah, yeah. Um, was... You know, it was a big thing, but I think across the team, there was a lot of young players in that team that day. If you take a boo into consideration, you yeah. look at Karoma and, and Maka, people forget how young Maka mm. is, you know, they, those sorts of things. It was a very young team and it was a very strong performance against a good team. But if you're good enough, you're old enough, so... Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, the biggest thing is he's trying to trying to build on that and yeah. make those performances more consistent. Great performance. But I think that's possibly and arguably one of our most solid performances because where we were... And where they were, and we, I expected them to come and give us a right mm. good going over, really. But they seemed to be lethargic, and they didn't seem to have yeah. that. And I think the boys need to take a lot of credit from that because, like I say, we can talk about what we want for the remainder of the season and what we expect for mm. the remainder of the season. But they got they got to step over the line and, and you deliver. You can't do anything. No, that's right. And, it's and, up to and, them. And, and and they did. Yeah, yeah sensational. Hundred percent. Let's follow that with our last home game of the season which was the rearranged fixture against Maidenhead, who have, I think, one place above us, so we could have overtaken them at this point, but we conceded an early goal, and Broad comes for a corner, doesn't get there, their man gets a tap in, and again, like we said, they kind of sit back and let us come on to them. Yeah. Nothing really 
happens with I was saying that 94th minute Ebu gets a great chance when the ball comes out yeah. to him in the box it was, it was a bit anticlimactic wasn't it because Saturday had been really good yes. against Wrexham and yes. there was a yeah. you know, good appreciation for the, for the, the group in the lap of honour afterwards yeah. and you don't expect to finish the season on a Tuesday there wasn't a lot of people there and it, it kind of just fizzled out a bit really yeah. Yeah, so a bit the referee, I mean you mentioned earlier that back pass decision just beggar's belief you yeah. know, from the referee. And I think and there was another call in the game as well that he, he, got completely he was miles wrong. off. You know, but, but he was one of the referees that you mentioned earlier that didn't get a lot of games, I think. He'd only refereed yeah. about five games that yeah. season, I think, and he'd given four or five cards right. in each, or 20 cards or something. Or in each game. Something draw, silly, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the big thing is with it as well, though, is those games like that at Maidenhead, we are going to have some of them next season when there's not yeah. a big crowd yeah, in. Course, yeah. Yeah. It's a Tuesday night when, you, when it don't perhaps seem too glamorous whoever it might be against we've got to over- overcome that in order to make the make being be that position. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah so you've got to be able to overcome that we've got to find ways of, of achieving that albeit uh, it was that sort of stage of the season that that's, that's that can't be an excuse yeah. we've got to get better at that yeah, if yeah. we'd have been two points off the playoffs with that game you know that would have been unacceptable wouldn't it 100 the way you know yeah, fortunately we were marooned in mid mid table and there was a little you know a little philip of trying to finish in the top half but it doesn't really make a huge amount of difference because you don't get money in the no, national, no, you like you do in the football league do you, you don't get money in the football league place placement no no only the premier league really yeah oh, i thought they filtered like only a few grand but i thought no, they filtered you get down. The, the standard distribution money in the football league every club in the division gets the same amount from right the okay yeah so final game of the season was played in the sunshine in Gateshead, sunny Gateshead. Never thought I'd be saying that on this podcast, but Bond put us ahead with his 22nd league goal of the season and two second half goals. One, a screamer from Joby McEnough and Josh Caroma on the hour sealed all three points for us, but the Heed pulled a goal back on the stroke of full time uh, with a penalty. So not a bad way to end the season. Any thoughts no, on that game? Important. I think um, we want to be remembered the season for two dead games against Maidenhead and Gateshead. Do we owe Gateshead one because what of did. what we threw away at home and then the way we threw it away when we went back up there? Um, and also as well, which which needs a special mention, is the fact that when we came in off the back of the warm-up, couldn't tell how many were there, but you mm. could tell it was a good backing, a good following from, yeah. from our away supporters. So there was a number of things that contributed about let's go away with a good feeling, all those things that I've just mentioned, and the fact that we've got in my opinion, probably more away fans than they had uh, in home fans, but well, that's another discussion. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, unbelievable. Yeah, 424 for a nothing yeah. game, lunchtime kickoff, 220 miles away. I mean, it's madness. You know, if we'd have been in League One and taken that many, we'd have been pleased. Yeah. You know, it's, it is madness. Incredible. Yeah. So I think incredible all of those support. factors added to the fact that, no, no, we, need, we, we owe it to everyone else, we owe it to ourselves to, to try and finish the season on a positive, and, and uh, we thought it was a good performance. Wasn't there only about fourteen hundred people in the whole ground? It, they said it, they said there was a thousand, but we were sat in in the main stand, and there wasn't many around us. I think they might have chucked a few season tickets in to to, to <laughs> count it, boost it out. Yeah. yeah, I mean, unfortunately, because the stadium's so airy, for want of a better word, because yeah, it's you, the athletics track around it. Yeah, right? you couldn't really hear any any of them, but I'm sure they were making a lot of noise on that far <laughs> side. Yeah. You know, and it was a nice feeling of unity at the end of the game again. You know, we, you know, we all made a point, all the staff and, and board and everyone of going over to, to thank them, not just for travelling that day, but for yeah. sticking with us throughout the season. It was good that everybody could end the season on a, on a high note, really. Yeah, and there was a few fans we mentioned in the last podcast who've done it every game this season. So yeah, Matt fantastic. Bristow, Julian Lillington, the guy in the South Stand who 
Name no one escapes me. So, but there's a few who have done like Tuesday nights, Gateshead, Hartlepool, yeah. yeah. done them all. Yeah, so incredible. I'd hate to think how much money they've done. Yeah, so league position yeah, in house deposit money. I think we finished in in the national <laughs> league in first place, having played forty six games, won sixteen, drawn twelve, lost eighteen, with a goal difference of plus two. So that was the last difference. thing we talked about before they went out as well. Was you're you're on zero goal difference. It might not make a difference to anybody's season, but do you really want to be remembered for mm, your first yeah. season in the national league? Is anyone negative goal difference? Yeah. Absolutely. So just next season, try and get a few of those losses down to wins and draws down well, to... Well, I think his first is turning the losses into draws and the draws into wins, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and closing those margins on the ones that we shouldn't have even drawn but ended up losing, you know? It's, yeah. There's a number of factors. I think yeah. one, one interesting point that's worth raising at this point is... Have a guess how many players started Steve's last game at Ebbsfleet and started the last game of the season at Gateshead? Nine. No way. No, you go... No. I'm going to guess... Brill, Link, Ekpiteta, yeah, probably not about three then. One. Happy. Dan Happy. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, which does show you, you know, on the transformation of, of the squad. Yeah. You know, we, we, we use Great the phrase, if, within the club, we use the phrase evolving squad. You know, you never get to a point where you've got 22, 24 players and that's it. You know, there's always somebody injured, somebody out on loan, somebody in on loan, somebody you're going to sign, somebody you're going to sell. So the squad has to keep evolving, yeah. you know, and the, and the squad evolved over that six-month period yeah. through the rebuilding work and the, and the uh, stabilising of the second half of the season to get us up into that middle of that table for, for where we... There won't be a lot of transfer activity this summer, really, because that, yeah. that, a lot of that work had been done. done yeah. know, so to get to a point where, you know, that, that period between November and the end of April had seen a, a change like that in the starting lineup. Yeah, just a few tweaks yeah. now. You mentioned transfers. Do you want to give any exclusives to the podcast this no. evening? I don't know any, to be honest. You need to ask Martin. Yeah, no, we, give no, him a bell. Give him a bell. Give him a bell. That's because he knows we can ask him. That's <laughs> <laughs> all we're going to talk about. It gives me a perfect opportunity to jump all over this question. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I think there's been a lot of... There will always be comments and ideas and conversations that people think they've had about um, transfers. But... What we have to do as employees and as football people at the club, we have to make sure our fingers on the pulse of, of everybody that's available, everybody that could be available, everybody that's had a good season, everybody that's had a good career. So there's so many different angles and so many different opportunities out there. We know we've got one or two people around the squad at the moment that I'm sure everybody's really keen for us to sign and, and we'd love those you know, the players that you know that, that everybody he's on to, to come and join the club but if they don't we need to have a contingency we need to make sure that we're fully prepared to get, try and get our first targets but if we don't get our first targets and, and they choose to go elsewhere or stay where they are that we get our second and third choice targets so you know there's a lot and there will be a lot of discussion about who's coming in and when we're signing them and what position they're going to be for now the football season isn't finished there's still playoff games to be played at our level and below and above so we need to make sure that with all the staff at the club, which which we are doing, is we cover all of those. And anyone that's had a particularly good season and scored 25 goals in a division or two below us, yeah, we go and watch them. Are we going to sign them? Pro- probably not. But we need to make sure, do they fit? Are they going to be the right type of player for us? And then on top of that, are they the right type of character? Are they going to fit in with the squad? Are they going to give us an opportunity to be successful? Or is there somebody else out there that hasn't had a, as good a season but are going to fit with with this football club so there's a lot of to and fro that needs to go on um, and 
you know, it'd be exciting once we do identify mm. those players and those deals are done. But there's a lot that needs to be done between now and those times in order for us to get to the bottom of it. Because there's a lot of people throwing a lot of names around on certain forums and certain social media sites that believe that they're accurate, but yeah, not cool. necessarily. And like you said, there's a lot of names out there. There's a lot of players who will be on lots of people's radars. Uh, exactly. And, and you know, are we the biggest clubs that are going to be in for those players? Probably not. But we need to make sure that we're, you know, we're the most positive proposition if you like with a big you know with a club that the people want to come to and I think with what we've built and how the season has ended will give us a positive opportunity to sign the players that we're definitely interested in. Yeah. Really exciting times over the summer then. Watch this space. Absolutely. So Mr Levy, we've done a season review, so your your views on the season? Yeah, I think now it's over I can reflect and say that I'm genuinely happy where we ended up. I remember Nigel or Kent saying that they'd be happy with a finish like this in terms of our league position. Um, at the start of the season, I was one of those that naively thought that we'd walk this league just because of, we're late in Orient and we've dropped the league and we've just bounced back up. But what I hadn't factored in was all the variables of not having a squad and, and, and all the infrastructure around it. Uh, and for me, I thought we'd walk it. I thought we'd get promoted. I thought it was a bare minimum playoffs or we've had a bad season. But, you know, um, having, having lived the season out, I think it's fair to say that... Um, that where we've ended up is probably about right and we've we, we finished strongly. have to say thanks as well to Steve Davis, who's a very nice guy. He had a style of football he wanted to play and he wouldn't change that principle. And you could see on some of the games the players looked confused and didn't know what their responsibilities were. So I think the right decision was um, to, uh, to, uh, to change him. Well done to Martin Ling. I, as I think it's been said repeatedly, he's come in for a lot of criticism during the course of the season. I think that's been quite unfair. He had a really tough job to get enough players in so that we could even start the league properly um, and, and really turning up for that Sutton game with the, league, with, with the team to put out and, and really for adjusting and responding during the course of the season to the manager's needs. You know, We've already mentioned that we've lost three key players, uh, a, a spine of the team, uh, and to go in and get replacements that are just going to gel and fit in like that, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Well done to you as well, mate. Um, Ross, working under different managers, different circumstances, can't be easy, and taking the reins yourself. It sounds chaotic, a chaotic season, probably one that you won't forget, but um, I thought, we so. thought you were excellent. Um, there's been an awful lot of good work put in throughout the club from the top down. I believe the club has completely changed around and it feels like we have our club back. So Nigel Kent, Matt, Rich Emmett, um, Marshall, Danny, Steve, Elliot, Courtney, Sam, I think I'm going through the whole club here, but Howard, uh, Energy Bet as well, thanks to them for, for giving us some stuff to, um, to give away to, to fans and experiences for fans uh, through the podcast. The players who have been good with us when we've asked for post-match stuff uh, with them as well. Uh, both managers, Steve and Justin, as I say, all credit to the club and uh, thanks very much for all your support uh, for the podcast as well. Yeah, for me, what a season. One where, you know, we've all had to assess and go through our <coughs> expectations. I think I was a new crowd to get Solly Hall watching us beat Solly Hall at the time. We weren't very good and watching Mooney rip them to shreds and Lee, I thought we'd walk it. Sitting there going, yeah, this will be a breeze. But, you know, I was wrong. After a strong start, we couldn't win a game for love or money and I think, We've alluded to it, but I think the time is right for Steve Davis to go. Um, but for the moment, I saw Justin Link with a job. I remember saying on the podcast, I remember wanting Justin. I was aware of what he'd done at other clubs, especially with Newport. And I was <coughs> chuffed when we got him. And, you know, he's instilled pride and resilience in the team to fight for the shirt. And we've seen the team improve all over the pitch. I think for me, the standout's been Bond, McEnough, Brill, Ebu, Josh and Brophy for me have been my, my standouts this season. Been some disappointments, so we've alluded to it. 
FA Trophy, I thought was there for the taking, like we've already said. And I thought we, we were going we to were gonna win that. And some players have clearly struggled, and I think it'd be interesting to see who remains at the club. And I think I've seen a lot of people, again, on social media say, we'll get rid of this player and that player, but some are on two-year deals, and I don't think it's as easy as just saying, get rid. I think there's a lot more work that has to be done on that. But I don't think we can complain at all. And look at the position we're in now compared to last year. You know, already got season tickets, we've got a kit, talking about doing the pitch again after they're all matched. So already, two months prior to last year, we're already in a much better place for scouting players. Everything's in place now, hopefully, for a successful season next season. And we have a board who understand the values of Leighton Orient. Like I said, Nigel Kent, who in his first season in the club was absolutely really taken to it, it, isn't he? Like a duck to water. <coughs> Kent's been the star of the show, isn't he? I mean, <laughs> oh, he, absolutely. His, his engagement levels are phenomenal. His enthusiasm's off the scale. He's got loads of money as well, which is really nice. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, you know, he, I, think it, I think he's been a major part in reinvigorating a lot of people's love for the club because if they're saying, well, hang on a minute, there's this Texan who'd never watched us play until 12 months ago, but he's prepared to stick everything on the line and get on an aeroplane every few weeks to come over and watch. A great experience, you know, yeah. Uh, it's, it's just fantastic. And, um, you know, he's been great to, to get to know over the last year or so. Yeah, he's been a privilege for us to deal with. He really know, has. And, and every fan, when, we was, when he came over to do the podcast about two months <laughs> ago, he was in the pub over there and his fan came and approached him and he loved it. You know, he was a bit shell-shocked at first because my local's not really an Orient pub being in Hainal. And so, but this guy recognised us and, and Ken and he collared me at the bar and I was like, yeah, come over, just go. And, and Kent was like, what? It looked a bit sort of shell shocked, so but so I introduced the guy and he's like, oh wow, yeah, and it happily to chat, happy to chat. Yeah, happy yeah he's to amazing. Incredibly interesting man mm. as well. Incredibly interesting. Yeah, man. yeah, love having him at our club. So we asked you to describe the season in five words, and we'll only do a very brief selection of what we have got written down. We won't do many um, because we're quite late on time. So CM Oriental said optimistic, surprised, disappointed, relieved. Happy. And Joe underscore Parvit said it went better than expected. Yeah, at Lee Boyce 23 says the start of big things. Yeah, and Euro Orient says foundations for a bright future. Yeah, yeah, T Skinner 68 goes, meh, 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 that's better. <laughs> um, Len M4 said reality check for everyone involved. I think that obviously relates to the stuff about the league not being that solid walkover that you think it's, it's going to be. Yeah, the offensive Gaz says putting the past behind us. Yeah, um, a lot of tweets similar to the one I'm about to mention from Orient underscore Viking said, thank God for Justin Edinburgh. That one about Justin that I liked was from El Castaneto who said, learned to defend just in time. Yeah, like did very well there, yeah. Um, who else can we bring? Ten Bradley six words, but you know. <laughs> 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 Bradley Ackers 95 said, Texan brings the smiles back. Although I think there's a lot of other people that you're missing out on by saying that. Yeah, Tony Onsco Antonio says, on the road to recovery. Uh, Sunshine LOFC, step in the right direction. Yeah, brilliant. S. Gallagher 15, Kent Teague is a legend. Yeah. <laughs> we had a few from Facebook as well, uh, quite a few from Facebook. Um, Ian Richardson said, please sign another Macaulay Bond. Yeah, Jason. Yeah, please. Jason, Ferd <laughs> Jason Ferdinando, donuts taste better than pasta. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, Susan Foss said, you always expect the unexpected. Yeah, that's just the Orient way, though, isn't it? Yeah, David Ellis says buy those season tickets again. Yeah, good shout. And uh, Nigel Edridge says looking forward to next season. Yeah, Dave Bruce says Nigel and Kent, our heroes. 
Yeah, and final word goes to Paddock Inspector O on Twitter who said, simply, we got our club back. Yeah, so thank you to all those people who've got in contact. We had loads more, but we've only read out a selection of what we had. Hundreds, to be fair. Yeah. So now, a couple of quick talking points. A couple of players who are currently in the squad that we haven't really seen much of. Romy Bocco. Is he... He's still around at the moment. Um, He's had a tough, tough time, personally. Pretty much since Justin... Came in really not not anything to do with that relationship <laughs> I must add but um, personally he's had he's had a number of issues to deal with um, good lad Romy you know he never has never let himself down I think opportunities were always going to be tough for him to fit into I think you know it's no secret when you look we see that we play four four two pretty much since Justin's been here and it's very difficult for for someone like Romy to fit into that so his opportunities to get into the team and and play have been have been tough. You know, put that together with, with some of the personal issues that he's had. It's, it's, it's been a tough second half for the season. But the answer to your question is he's still there. Still yeah, fair to say. I think it's probably reading between the lines that he, he probably won't be. Um, yeah, I think because there wasn't the space for him. Yeah, it just cool. doesn't work out. I think that's something that, that, that'll have to be, you know, probably be discussed over the summer. Yeah, and Jake Caprice was ever present until Sam Lynn came along and, and sort of made that. That spot his really didn't yeah, he offers yeah, us something different Sam. So um, Jake's got a bit of a battle. We all know him. what we all know what Jake's capable of going forward. Um, he's got a lot of pace. He's, uh, he's he's certainly a threat for us offensively. Um, I think he'd be the first to admit that defensively he's isn't his forte. Yeah. Whereas Sam is is that little bit more I suppose consistent in that position. Um, but. Sam's got his opportunity in the team and he's, he's taking it with both hands. So now it's you know it's, it's going to be tough for Jake to break back in. You've got to take into consideration as well that Miles Judd also <coughs> plays in that position yeah, as well. Absolutely. So um, you know it's going to it's going to be tough. But I think the positive side of that is that we've got some real competition in that in that position. That that Caprice Dayton partnership in the first part of the season was really strong. Yeah, you know, it was well, a real well. asset for us. You know, and Dates got injured in January, didn't he? And now Jake perhaps didn't hit those heights in the second half of the season either, but it would be unfair on on him to forget that. Yeah, he played a lot of games. Yeah. yeah. With Justin saying he wants two more forwards, can you see any forwards having to leave the club to make way? No, I think what you have to weigh. What I say no. What you have to weigh up, I think, is any particular forwards that you might look to bring in. You have to then compare what we've already got. So. Is he a Matt Arrold type? Is he a Josh Caroma type? Is Josh going to be a winger? Is he going to be a centre forward? Do you need one centre forward or will Josh be the other one? You know, those sorts of things. So, like I said just now, there's a lot of players that we'll be looking at and we've got on our radar. We have to compare them to the ones that we've already got in the building and say, right, well, he's had a season at this level. Perhaps this one is coming from a lower level or even out of the league. He hasn't. So, he's, you know, we're going to have to give him a season to adjust or... We don't want to be hanging around for anyone. We want to, we want to hit the ground running again next season. So there's a lot to take into consideration. So the answer is no one's decided whether anyone's coming yeah. or going yet. It's a, it's a collective as to you know. Don't, don't forget as well that the restrictions. One of the advantages of being in the national league, one of the few, is that the restrictions on loan signings are nowhere near as stringent as they are when you're in the football league. Yeah. So you know you can you don't have to sign players window to window, and you can pretty much sign a player whenever you like. So that you know, those options yeah. remain available yeah. to us. It's not that we don't have to go out and smack someone with a two-year contract if we're not convinced about them. 
um, you know, we could look at loan options as well if, if the right person's available. Right, brilliant. Brilliant, cool. Let's round this up then, yeah? Yep. So Fantasy Football League, not many games left to go, but Tim Roberts looks like he will win our Orient Outlook podcast Fantasy Football League on 2,168 points, uh, with Dwayne Bingham in second place on 2,121 points. Unfortunately, I'm in 45th place. So top uh, how many? About 150, oh, 161 or something. Incredible. Yeah, not top 20. Not the top 20 that I was hoping no. for, but mid table was good. Do you yeah, do fancy football? No. Do you do fancy football? No. no? Fine, okay. I'll <laughs> <laughs> <Can't> invite <laughs> you guys then. We do real football. <laughs> yeah, yeah too busy. <laughs> yeah, we'll do the fantasy. You could do the real football. Then. So, some positives and negatives for the season. We only found a couple of negatives, really. Um, throughout the season, obviously, we've had quite an injury list. And the physio and medical department probably been a lot busier than what they would have liked or hoped. Yeah, I mean, the injury list was massive. You know, Corson, like we've alluded, Corson and Kobe Lee, the spine, and then you yeah, used Dayton. Dayton. I think yeah. Dayton finished with the highest assist tally in the National League. He didn't play games since Did January. Really? Apparently. Yeah. There was one game I remember looking around in the corner of the changing room, and I think it was Joe Widdison suspended, Ella Kobe, Corson, Charlie Lee, Joey McEnough. We did go through a phase, didn't we? We had a bit of a flu bug as well, and we ended up with yeah, a so young bench for a few yeah. games. Yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, I also think um, the amount of players that we've used this season, Kent said we've used like 38 players mm. this season, yeah. which is obvious from what we've just said yeah, about yeah, injury yeah. suspensions and all the rest of it. Yeah. But I, I, you know, like I said to Kent, I think it was at the Star Man. Um, the more successful teams, from what I've noticed, the more successful teams use the least amount yeah, of players. There's Macclesfield a lower turnover. Yeah. Macclesfield yeah. would have been yeah. would have had that well, consistency. The year we went up in just going to say, yeah, you know, I mean, it was the same team every week, wasn't it? The only the only slight change might have been if Adam Tan or Jabbo came in. Yeah, yeah. it was. I think yeah. the other things as well. Year we lost up at Wembley. Wembley. Well, yeah, thirteen. Played forty odd games. Yeah, I remember speaking to Nuge in the pre-season and him saying. If we can keep the group fit or together, we, 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 I think we'll do all right. And yeah. yeah, we nearly did. That yeah. Eleven picked itself, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess the final negative was the season ending when it did, as we built a bit of momentum behind us. And if we'd have carried on a bit more, yeah. who knows? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Still positives. Yep, yeah, positives. <coughs> we got our club back. So you know, this time last year we were interviewing Sammy Moore in this very room, and it was a bit, it was a bit bleak, shall we say? Second, the feel good factor is back at the O's. You know, it's been a fantastic season. We ended the season strongly. Like I said, take momentum into next season now. I think if we win the first two or three games next season and build up a real head of steam, I think there's no stopping us. And McCauley Bond, sensational season yeah. for McCauley, 20 plus, joins yeah. a, In his first a cherished list. Yeah. As well, by yeah. He's never, never, never played the league. It says a lot about him as a young man looking to drop out of the football league to then look to bounce back he's obviously bought into what we're trying to do at the club and that's credit to you and Martin the size and of the club helps at the level as well I think had we been a club which had an average crowd of a thousand yeah, or whatever he might not have appealed yeah. you know? I think it shows he wants to play football though Correct. and he's been he's willing right to go attitude. away and try and do that he's worked hard at his game he does a lot of work with Webby individually to continuously fin- work on his finishing I think he's old up play in comparison to the start of the season is, is a lot better than yeah. it was so I think he's um he's become an all round. His heading certainly improved as well. So I it's think flick on goals. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think he's matured a lot, and and that comes from playing, doesn't it? Yeah, there's experience, isn't it? So let's finish on yeah. the Orient Outlook Podcast of the Year awards. So we've done some Twitter polls to get the views of the fans. So match of the season with forty five percent of the vote, the winning match was anyone want to take a guess? Match of the season. Sutton. 
finished second Saturn Dover away Dover yeah. away yeah 45% of the vote I think Saturn had 39 but those two were pretty much yeah. one away leaders yep goal of the season with 46% of the vote uh, one of Joby's I mean five of Joby's six from Outstanding I would have gone Joby, Mooney, Joby finished third Mooney which one his chip yeah Mooney's Mooney chip yeah took 46% of the vote young player of the season there were two one away contenders with this one the Karoma or, or Happy. Yeah, it was one of those two. Happy, happy got our, our vote. I think Karoma might get Karoma nicked our vote, yeah. Karoma got oh, three for three here. Karoma 50% well. happy was 39. Very I'm close. questioning there. my memory because I saw all these on the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, Justin referred to him as Mr. Bling in the st- at the Starman when he called out all the players, Mr. Bling. What for Grimer? Happy. John Grimer. <laughs> Josh Grimer. Happy, happy was the giraffe. The giraffe, giraffe yeah. yeah. Amazing. Um, impact player of the season. So we did player of the season, but also impact player of the season, oh, just to be one. a bit varied. So we won't ask you. It's just because Ibu, is it Ibu for when he was signed? It is Ibu yeah, Adams with 62%, yeah. but there were other players who we thought had contributed well, but wouldn't necessarily get player of the season awards so Dean Brough Dean finished Dean second yeah. Dean Brough yeah. Yeah. Egg Potato we put down as well Egg Potato yeah really showed us so much promise solid yeah. really, really solid player. so that's why we did impact player as well as mm. just to be a bit different from the club as well and, and then, then last year player of the season McCauley yeah, McCauley yeah, 72% of the vote 72% with Joby we run it up so thank you for all your votes in that one yeah so there's no league fixtures obviously hence this is an end of season roundup. but on Sunday the 27th of May at Brisbane Road there is a huge celebrity uh, charity match as Errol McKellar's Celebrity 11 will be taking on Martin Ling's London Legends kick off for this one is 3 o'clock so get yourself down there to see some celebrities and some of your all time favourite Orient players making their return to Brisbane Road a certain Dean Cox certain Mr Kevin Lisby will be gracing the Orient pitch I have again. to ask I think the point that's coming are you going to put the laces back on the boots to... no I'll be in our beef for my wedding anniversary <laughs> <laughs> sorry well, happy anniversary. Sorry, we asked. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> we asked. I'm um, trying, I, was, I was helping Errol trying to get a few people up for it as well. I think it'd be a good day. You know, the I last think one was a lot of fun. There was 3,000 there for the last one, so we need a good turnout to try and match that this I time. I think Harry Redknapp was a good good one. Yeah, Russell Brand. Russell Brand, Brand, Brand yeah. You playing, Ross? No, I'm not. Don't get, don't get picked, do I? Oh, uh, do you want to play? No. <laughs> <laughs> right, so just to finish off, then let's go out in style. So not content with having the assistant manager... And a director here, we thought we'd throw in a little bonus for you. So we've got two messages. So firstly, here is a message uh, from BBC London and Ozone commentator, Mr. Dave Victor. This is Dave Victor, Dulcet Dave. Looking back on last season, it was about recovering, rebuilding. The club is in good hands. People who care and understand. It's been transformed off the field. We've got to get it right on it now. There's no excuses. We have the quality. The big question is, are Leighton Orient mentally tough enough for the National League? It's brutal. It's going to be a fascinating summer, an important summer. I hope you have a good one. So no pressure there, boys. <laughs> it wasn't very dulcet, was it? It was like a destructive day. <laughs> and unless then, let's hear from our chairman, Mr. Nigel Travis. Hi, everyone. It's Nigel. Wishing you a great summer's break. Uh, and thank you for all the fantastic support in the past season. I think overall it's been a very positive year. Of course, we've got our club back. Martin Ling worked wonders to get a squad that competed pretty well most of the year. 
but is really the foundation of a very, very strong squad going into next season. We've got Danny Macklin on board after uh, several months. Great work there by Marshall Taylor. Danny is really moving the commercial side of the business forward. And for those who don't understand how important it is, I think this is a way to give the club true stability going forward. And we all know from 12 months ago how important that is. So, I'm looking forward to the summer. I've got a few players and coaches coming over to the great state of Massachusetts this summer. And even more importantly, we're going to be doing our first overseas camp in Orient history, I think, on the 18th of June in Dover, Massachusetts. So, if you are in the U.S., and are interested in coming to the camp. It's basically for under-18s. Uh, it's going to be a great camp. You'll improve all your technical proficiency in playing soccer or football, uh, as they say in England, uh, but soccer in the US. And we're really believing we can get over 100 people to this camp and, again, build the Lane Orient brand. So with that, I want to thank you all again. It's been an interesting year. But most of all, the fans have been spectacular. You've carried on everything that you did last season and you've done even more this year to make this a great club. And we feel very honoured to be working hard for Leighton Orient's success in the future. Have a great summer and see you after the pre-season. So that was Leighton Orient chairman Nigel Travis with his summer message. Sorry about the unexpected pause there. Don't quite know what went wrong there, but that's... uh... You pressed That's pause, that, that was what. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't touch it. It's such a stitch up. I'm only <laughs> <laughs> So thanks for joining us for episode 143. Oh, it's been a hectic, busy and emotional season at the Orient with new owners, new players, a new league, a change in management, the emergence of new fan favourites and so much more on the pitch. It's fair to say how surprised we all were with the start of football in this league and how teams have played against us and after a decent start, but then going for a three-month winless run, it was time for a managerial change. Steve Davis made way for Justin Edinburgh, who's changed around the team's fortunes on the pitch as he led the club to a comfortable mid-table finish. Off the pitch, the club has made huge strides throughout the season as Nigel and Kent continue to add experienced professionals to the board with Danny Macklin, Dave Travis, Matt Porter and Richard Emmett all joining and giving us the stability that we need following the previous regime. And the engagement, enthusiasm and the hope that the new board have has been nothing short of exceptional. Yeah, and it's fair to say really that we all can't wait to see what the 2018-19 season will bring. So yeah. we'll be back with episode 144 later in the summer with all the information and views that you could ever need. Mr Porter, we told you you'd be out of here by 10. It's now approaching half 10, so I've thank you for it. staying. I'll stay longer. Oh, Keep going. Good. And Miss Emilton, you've got to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bed. <laughs> Patrick appearance. Yes. Been the shortest one. Getting out a lot of ten, I'm over the moon. <laughs> so thank huge, you, yeah. no, go on. So a huge thank you to everyone who's listened, tweeted, spoken to us. It's truly been an honour. Without your input and support, this podcast would not be worth doing. We wish everyone leaving the club the best of luck in the future, and we wish you all a very happy and a stress-free summer. And enjoy your holidays and get those Orient shirts out in the foreign lands. And send us your pics. Yeah, Shane, there aren't any Orient beach towels though in the club shop. 
I'll blame Danny Macklin. Yeah, I'm going to blame Danny. I think, I'm sure well. I always had beach towels. Yeah, I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure I've got one. I'm sure I've got well, one. You were the one who bought them. I, was, the the I didn't get a discount either. Oh, scandalous. If you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe and give our podcast a review. If you're listening on SoundCloud, tune in and Stitcher, add us to your favourites, and that way you'll always have the podcast available as soon as we upload them. If you've got an older relative or a loved one who you think will like the podcast, help them out download it for them uh, or just simply play it back for them yeah so we might be gone over the summer but the Twitter account will still be as active as ever and if you want to get your merchandise we still do have a few mugs left for sale not many left now though I'll get one for you Thank yeah you. in a second so that's I'll the, play, you deserve I'll play, it. not that you deserve it so £7 for one £12 for two. Oh no I'm not paying that <laughs> <laughs> £3 postage so get your orders in over the summer and you can see our logo every morning as you drink your cup of brew maybe a tea or coffee or whatever it is. So it's been a fantastic season. Thanks again to you, Matt, for coming on. Thanks again Thank you. to you. Thanks for everyone who's listened in what has been the best podcast season yet in our fourth year as we go into our fifth year next year. And we look forward to hearing from you all over the summer. So keep calm, have a great summer, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's.